This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast, which focuses on playing Warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Pob, and with me I have my two BAO atten- fellow BAO attendees, Sean Abuse Puppy and Jeff in Control Robinson. Howdy, everyone. Uh, so, uh, forgive me, I-, I am running on an hour of sleep. Uh, we drove down immediately after the BAO ended, a uh, nine-hour drive. Uh, we, I got back home at 4 a.m. and then uh, had to wake up at 6 a.m. because my daughter hadn't seen me all weekend, so she decided she wanted to wake me up, you know, sleep be damned, um, and then I had to work today. So um, I'm, I am a little tired. Uh, I do remember all of my games at the BAO. I have a bunch of notes taken down. Uh, I got an awesome data dump from a gentleman who emailed it to me, Peter Colissimo. He is the man. He essentially gathered all the data from the Bay Area Open for the factions and for the detachments and the players, uh, the points they scored, what placement they were in, the their their average um, their average points scored per game, uh, win percentage, uh, and then for the the tactics they have like he has like the factions and how well they performed against each other and how many what their average victory points were by faction, and then he also took it one step further, and. Uh, showed what each detachment had individually and how it performed. For example, there were 51 Astra Militarum detachments, so we broke that down into Cadian, Katachen, Valhall, and etc. And then how those detachments performed, it's its its crazy, it's insane. It's exactly what we, it's the kind of data that everyone wants to see, but no one ever has the time to do. So Peter is the man, uh, he gave me, he, he shared this spreadsheet with me, um, and so we have it, and we're going to definitely take a look through it. Because I think there's a lot of interesting stats that those, you know, they, a, lot of, a lot of interesting things those those stats say. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And then I also want to talk about uh, my my experience with the BAO. This was actually my first Bay Area Open as a player. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, maybe you're listening to the podcast and you're tuning in for the first time. The Bay Area Open is Frontline Gaming's third largest tournament that they held, hold. Uh, it's, it's 150 players. It's held in the Bay Area. San Jose at a place called Game Castle. It's where Frontline Gaming started getting into the tournament scene and running lar- these large, big premier events. Uh, I would say that the Bay Area Open is probably the premier West Coast event where all the best West Coast players go and, and compete. Um, and then you also get players from all over the country as well. Usually you'll get like one or two guys. Maybe like one guy will travel from Australia or something. So 
Uh, you get people from all over the world, but mostly it's it's West Coast centralized. Uh, and so you get people like Brandon Grant, Daniel Olivas now, uh, Don Hoosen, who who do really well and who are kind of like those West Coast powerhouse players. And so they always do really well. And you can kind of see like what the West Coast meta looks like and what we're running over here. Um, so it's very cool. It, it's a lot of fun. I, I had an absolute blast. Um, uh, it was kind of nice to play against all my friends. I played against two teammates and the person I drove up with, Mark Carrion. So I played wow. <laughs> yeah, half the people I played I knew personally. Um, but that's okay. I, I didn't I didn't get games in with um, very many games in with any of them before the BAO started. So it's kind of nice to play them all and hang out with them. Uh, and mm -hmm. then uh, I definitely want to hear Jeff's take because Jeff was the tournament favorite all tournament. Like it wasn't even close. Like Jeff was just destroying people. Um, he was performing really well. Uh, and so he just fell short at the very end. Congratulations to Don Houston for winning the whole thing and beating Jeff. Uh, but I definitely want to hear Jeff's take on the tournament. I'm sure he's got a lot of interesting things to talk about. Um, and I know you guys want to hear about Custodes. And then Sean, Sean, Mr. 5-1, I always knew I had you had it in you. <laughs> well, you know, Eldar are too good, so I can't really take any credit. Okay, well, actually, I wanted to start with you, Sean. <clears throat> okay. Because you're right, Eldar are really good. Um, you ran the list you were you talked about on the last podcast, right? Uh, you didn't change it up? So oh, no, no, I changed it significantly, actually. Okay. So, um, I did get a couple of test games in prior to uh, BAO itself, in between the recording the podcast, and they kind of confirmed my big concern with that list. Uh, for those of you who missed it, it's three Hemlocks, three Kimbers and Hunter Entarks, uh, a couple wa three Wave Serpents, a Farseer, and three units of Dark Reapers was the original version, but it just didn't have the bodies to stay on the table, and it didn't really have the firepower to clear out a lot of the things I was worried about. So I ended up adjusting that a little bit, um, turned that spearhead into a battalion, um, with Illic Knight Spear, the sniper character, uh, the usual Farseer on foot, and then three units of Rangers and three units of Swooping Hawks, plus the two uh, Wave Serpents that I can cram all of the infantry into if I needed to. Um, and that ended up working out a lot better for me than I think the version with Dark Reapers would have. Not because the Dark Reapers weren't good, but I just had too much other heavy firepower for them to really pull their weight, and I needed the tools against the kind of lighter infantry and that sort of thing. Okay. So, so uh, round one you played Vince Weibert, yep. uh, a very a very fun very fun player. Yeah. Um, and I, I haven't seen him in 8th edition a whole lot, so... Uh, I don't believe I've played him in eighth. I've seen him at many of the tournaments in the you know, West Coast, Northwest area, uh, and I've played him in the past. So Vince is a great guy. I actually knew most of my opponents. There was a couple of them who were new, but uh, the vast majority of them were folks that I either knew by reputation or had previously played. Um, okay. Vince had a, a pretty solid uh, Tyranid Genestealer cult list. It was Genestealer's primary, um, but uh, a, a significant component of Tyranids as well, which was uh, going to kind of set a little bit of a precedent for the rest of my games for the day. Um, um, but, yeah, he... 
he snuck a couple big units of pure strain gene stealers into reserve, uh, covered his backfield pretty effectively with the just huge horde of bodies that the gene stealer cult can lay down, um, and kind of prepared to try and beta strike me with a bunch of stuff. Um, my airplanes flew around, killed, he had a big unit of hive guard because of course Tyranids bring a big unit of hive guard. Um, I managed to fly the airplanes up and annihilate that and, uh, some of his other big stuff on turn one. Um, but he didn't have a ton of great targets for me on the board on turn one, so I didn't actually do all that much. On his turn one, he brought down the two big units of pure strain gene stealers, but even accompanying them with the character and popping off the stratagem, um, he couldn't get any fives or sixes on either of them. So both of them ended up a decent distance away from my guys, couldn't really get in as close as he wanted to, and uh, he made one of the charges, killed off a couple of my things, but nothing super critical. Um, and then I dropped in the swooping hawks, flew all my airplanes the opposite direction, because that's the great thing about the elder airplanes, is they can just turn around and fly back the way they came if they need to, and basically wiped out all of his pure strange stealers on turn two. Um, and at that Oops. point he was kind of looking at just, like, various bodies and not a lot else. Um, you know, a horde of essentially guardsmen without orders is not really all that scary. Uh, and I spent a couple of turns mopping that up, and that was pretty much it. Okay, so so before you go into your game two and your game three, I just want to let everyone know that Sean, day one, played three Tyranid players. Mm -hmm. before, before we go on. Um, then, Sean, do you think that you your Tyranid matchup is, is good now, or are you still like absolutely um... traumatized? It's much better with the version I was running. Uh, the three units of Swooping Hawks give me a lot more of that anti-infantry that I need. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that against a a very good Tyranid list, uh, I'm probably at a disadvantage. Not an overwhelming one, but certainly some disadvantage. Um just because they can bring a lot of bodies and clog the field pretty effectively. I may be able to kill a lot of their stuff, but they're going to be holding the board most of the game and scoring points against me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's sort of the night problem. is like, just because you're killing them doesn't mean you're winning. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of good Tyranid lists, yes. uh, Colin Sherman. Colin Sherman, uh, one of the, the players at the Boise Cup, or... No, I don't think he wasn't Boise Cup. It was uh, T-Shift. Um mm -hmm a very sparkly and very well-painted uh, Tyranid army. Um, kind of ran into pretty much that. Um, he had two big blocks of Gene Stealers, a whole bunch of Hormigaunts, the Swarm Lord, um, the big unit of Hive Guard, all of the usual kind of stuff. Um, apparently a list that uh, Nick Nanavati had helped him put together through the, the service there. Um... And, uh, I got the first turn, I went in and did a bunch of shooting, but didn't actually accomplish a lot. Um, I, I killed, like, one unit of Venomthropes and put two wounds on the Swarm Lord, but he just kind of passed most of his saves, um, so I didn't actually hurt him all that bad, and, um, 
he got some pretty solid advance roles and looped a unit of gene stealers around with the swarm lord. Uh, I'd tried to block him off as much as I could with the airplanes, but there's a limit to how far you can block the board. And he, you know, got like 40 odd inches out of them, looped them pretty much all the way around yep. the edge of the board and got into my back lines, um, killed a bunch of stuff there. And I managed to, uh, you know, drop in Hawks, kill off some of them, and then try and do some more damage, but I failed to really continue to hurt his the main body of his force. Uh, you know, two turns of shooting the Swarm Lord, and I still hadn't killed it. Um, and the following turn, he dropped in his two flying Hive Tyrants, killed off all of my swooping Hawks, you know, the Gene Stealers, the other unit of them, looped all the way around, got a charge in, and managed to tri-point one of my Rangers and lock them into combat such that I couldn't get out. Um, and it was basically over there. It took him another two turns to get rid of the last of my ground troops, but that yeah, was two turns that he spent with his Gene Stealers in combat with my guys with no way for me to get out. Um, and at that point, it was basically over because I, even if I had managed to kill off those Gene Stealers, I would still have to table his entire army to realistically score any more points, and that just wasn't going to happen. Um, so that game was pretty much... The the nightmare scenario I was expecting. Um, it was it was rough. I knew it was going to be, um, especially after I failed to kill the Swarm Lord on turn one, because uh, I really needed that guy dead, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, the the I so I also played Colin Sherman round six, so mm -hmm. I, I know exactly how Sean feels. Pretty much the same thing happened to me. Um, yeah. The, yeah. He's 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 very good at using the Tyranid stratagems to uh, cover a lot of distance, and this is something I'm sure Jeff knows very well. That uh, if you swarm over a unit with a bunch of gene stealers, you wipe them out. You use the stratagem that uh, allows you to uh, make again. a move in advance overrun. instead of yeah overrun to yeah. move in advance instead of making the normal consolidate because there's no one within three inches of you, and then you use the fight again stratagem to pile in around something else. Um, yeah. And it's just, a, it's a brutal combination. It allows you to cover enormous amounts of board, and it's very hard to stay safe from it if your units don't have fly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, when, when I talk about my games, I'll talk about something very funny that he did that was kind of the opposite and just showed kind of the power hmm. of a, a Tyranid list. I'm not, I might as well just say it right now. He basically, yeah. in my game, he he moved them like 42 inches around my conscripts because I, I created a giant wall with my conscripts, um, mm -hmm. and I left just a little gap at the very end because I didn't think Gene Steelers could move 40 mm -hmm. plus inches in charge. Um, I, I think he rolled boxcars with his charge too, but it was it was crazy. He moved them all the way up, double moved them with Swarm Lord, went around my conscripts, killed like tagged two scout bike squads, actually whiffed and only killed one bike, which I thought was pretty funny. <clears throat> and then just overran them away from the into the conscripts, and then tagged a conscript, and then charged the hormigons into the conscript, and I couldn't shoot the gene stealer cults because they ran behind a, like a hill oh, line of sight. Yeah. So basically, it was like a weird like hit and run. Like, oh my god, gene stealers! And then all of a sudden, they were just gone, and my mm -hmm. conscripts were being attacked by tyranids. I I just thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, because um, he used overrun strategy to run away. Tyranids have pretty insane mobility with the Swarm yeah. Lord. That guy needs to be something that dies 
turn one or turn two, and I didn't kill him until the very bottom of turn three. So yeah. it just was not enough. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, um, and then you played Andy Gonzalez of the Veteran Gamers Reenlisted podcast, which is a very funny yeah, podcast. Yeah, I had not actually, uh, he was one of the, the small handful of folks that I was not as familiar with. I saw a bunch of their stuff uh, coming into the tournament, but I wasn't really familiar with the podcast or with Mr. Gonzalez himself. Um, again, he had a he had kind of the bog-standard... Tyranid list in a lot of ways, Swarm Lord, Flying Hive Tyrants, big blocks of Gene Stealers. Um, he did have a couple interesting inclusions. Um, he was running a trio of Carnifexes and a big unit of Gargoyles. And I can really get behind those Gargoyles. They are very fast, and they can do a lot of pretty nasty little shenanigans with tying things up. That fly keyword for the ability to hop over enemy models with your pile-in and consolidate moves is really big. Um... But um, I had the first turn, which was pretty standard for my list because I have, like, nine drops if I want to go that low. Um, so uh, I can really kind of, like, cram things way down if I have to, uh, which meant I get, was getting first turn most of the time. And I ran over. I had basically the opposite of my luck against Colin with him, where my first Hemlock did ten wounds to his Swarm Lord just sort of, like, almost instantly evaporated that guy and then proceeded to just sort of, like, chew to pieces all of his big targets one at a time. Um, and he was sending the Gene Steelers forward, but um, the terrain was a little bit worse for him, and his positioning with the Gene Steelers was not quite as good, so he wasn't able to ever really get them into my lines before the Swooping Hawks came down and just sort of blasted those guys away. Um, units of Swooping Hawks plus Doom will just annihilate any kind of infantry, basically. Yeah. All right, and how many Swooping Hawks did you have again? I had three units of five, all of them all with right. the, the X-Arc with the upgraded gun. So it's like each of those units is causing somewhere between, you know, six and twelve wounds per turn to any T4 infantry. Um and for especially for something like Gene Stealers that has just kind of bad saves in general, the fact that they're all just a whole bunch of armor saves is still really devastating to them. Mm -hmm. Right on. <clears throat> uh, and then uh, you had a very dominant day three. Um, yes. And, uh, day I'll, three, I'll... my matchups were a lot better. You know, Tyranids was not really what I want to face. I won my matches, but none day of them were exceptionally. I'm sorry, day two. So day two. <laughs> two, two and three are basically the same. That was that's pretty much how it is. Um, no, day, um, round four on the, the first of the the day there, I had been, you know, like you do, looking at the the matchups the the night before, and I kind of looked over his list and pretty quickly came to the the same conclusion that I think he did when we we talked about it, which was that he didn't really have much of a chance um great guy um john schroeder um not someone i'm as familiar with but a, a name i had seen around here and there he was running a salamanders list which i believe was the only salamanders list at the tournament um but it was very shooting heavy um he had some aggressors, um, three different dreadnoughts, the Leviathan, Derrido, and Redemptor, the like weird new Primaris one, uh, as well as a Devastator squad full of Laz Cannons, 
and then some guard detachments with the the Minotaur, the big like double basilisk thing, and then a couple of the the Earthshaker platforms. Um, and the minus twos to hit everywhere meant that his guard stuff was just completely irrelevant to me. Um, when you're hitting on sixes or even sevens, then um, it's just it's no real threat at all. Uh, so I immediately zeroed in on his uh, Dreadnoughts because they were the ones, like, the Leviathan could actually do a lot of damage to me uh, in the right situation because it's putting out 20 Strength 7 Damage 2 shots. Uh, and starting with BS2 up, it means even in a worst-case scenario, he's hitting me on 4s or 5s. So that will actually be able to chew up my flyers pretty quickly. Um, so I immediately zoomed over and started smashing away on that, and the combination of Doom and Jinx plus a bunch of high AP shots is just death to most vehicles. Um, yeah. So I ground out most of his relevant firepower, the stuff that was actually going to be able to hurt me, on turn one, and uh, I pretty quickly had him just boxed up in his deployment zone with nothing that was really going to be particularly effective at shooting me. Um, so it was a really brutal game for him. Um, and, and he, he, I think he kind of knew that it that was how it was going to go from the beginning because, you know, Eldar with all their penalties to hit are very, just, they're, they're too much to handle for most pure shooting armies. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and he, he really, once you took out a Dreadnought, once you take out a Dreadnought or two, his list mm -hmm. really runs out of steam. Yeah, I, I killed the Leviathan and put the Derrido on, like, one or two wounds on the first turn, as well as taking out all the Devastators. So he didn't really have any shooting that could hurt me at that point. Okay. Um, and then you played a... Kind of like the... Well, other than the Fire Prisms, kind of like a standard Eldar, Dark Eldar, Eldari list, right? Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a mirror match kind of situation. Uh, Chris Nelson... Um, running Eldari with a little bit of Dark Eldar allies. Uh, like me, he had a trio of Hemlocks, uh, but he took Fire Prisms in place of the Crimson Hunters that I was using. Um, and then instead of the Wave Serpents and Swooping Hawks and some of the other stuff, um, he ran an Archon and a trio of the Ravagers, Blackheart, of course. Um, so... It was uh, a, a kind of a little bit of a mirror match. Um, Chris was uh, a local, and apparently he had there was a, another guy in his area who played a list not dissimilar to mine that he had been up against a lot of times. Um, and with both of us having pretty hard hitting lists, it it really came down to who was getting the the stronger punches in. Um, I ended up blowing up uh, a decent amount of stuff on turn one. I took down one of his hemlocks and uh, mostly killed a fire prism as well as a ravager. Um, and then he came back and killed a uh, hemlock and one of the crimson hunters, I believe. Um, and that was kind of how it tended to go was each turn both of us would kill like two of the enemy's big firepower vehicles um, but with me pulling just a little bit ahead because I had the top of the turn, um, and pulling ahead on points because I had a little bit better on the secondaries and I had more units to spread across the board. I was dropping my swooping hawks into different quarters to get recon. Um, 
I was kind of, you know, stripping away his, like, rangers that he had scattered into the various quarters to get recon and picking off characters and making him hide his guys in ways that weren't convenient to positioning. So, um, the end of the game, neither of us had a whole lot of models left. It was down to, like, a handful of rangers and a couple wave serpents on my side. And on his side, I think I ended up tabling him at, like, the bottom of six or something. Um, but, you know, he had been, he had kind of, like, had his, all his units ground away, so he was down to, like, the Archon and, like, one Ravager and, I think, a Farseer that were kind of, like, doing their best to squeak out the last couple of points. Um. Okay. Okay, so, <clears throat> um, finally, uh, I want to, I want to talk about Aaron Wish. I want to spend a little more time talking about Aaron Wish's list, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, absolutely. To add some, yeah, to add some context guys uh, Aaron wish had I think I think probably it was the list we talked about the most at the end of day one uh, oh, because really? yeah we'll, we'll just Reese Frankie and myself I guess when we were talking afterwards and we're looking at lists because um, sure. it's a very unique list right so yeah. after after three rounds he'd just been destroying people day one he got a 37 win a 37 win and a 35 win so I think mm -hmm. he was ranked like number one or, or I think ranked behind Jeff so, so yeah he was way up there. Yeah, yeah, and and his he list is, one. he was he oh, was, was he? number one. There you go. Okay. Yep. Um, so it was just a really strange. It was a Dark Angels list. Uh, he had dark three Dark Talons, um, some Raven guys, the Inceptor, the Plasma Inceptor squad. I don't think it was a mag. I think it was just five Plasma Inceptors. Just um, five. Yeah. Yeah. Just five. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Give away with words, Pablo. It Thank was you. uh, it was it was actually a very interesting list. I, like I was telling him when I uh, played him that last round, I have actually played a surprising amount of Dark Angels recently. Um, I've had games against them at pretty much all of the major tournaments I've gone to, as well as some of the smaller ones. Um, so I have a, a, a decent idea of what to expect. The Dark Talons are they're really nasty vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not familiar with them, they're one of the, uh, the Dark Angel Flyers. Uh, they got a pair of Hurricane Bolters and the Rift Cannon, which is a weird, like, three damage, high strength, high AP thing that can occasionally do, like, mortal wounds to things as well. Um, and they can, once per game, drop a bomb on something they fly over and do a bunch of mortal wounds to it. Um, and the, the really big thing they have going for them is not only can they hover so they can sit still if they need to, uh, but they also have plus one to hit against anything that doesn't have fly. So, typically they're hitting on twos with their hurricane bolters and three with the main gun. Um, but against my list, they were not quite as good as they could have been, because I just don't have that much infantry and virtually everything in my army flies. Um, but yeah, aside from the trio of them, he had the fairly standard Blood Angels Smash Captain Detachment, two of those guys. Um, and then he also had um, Samael and a Talon Master. Um, both in their land speeder things. Um, that's actually something that I kind of want to mention real briefly to all you Dark Angels players out there. I know there aren't very many because Aaron was the only Dark Angel player at the tournament out of 140 yeah, people. Yeah, there was one more, but... Oh, was there? Yeah, but, okay. you know... <laughs> yeah, Not there in were... Sean's mind, though. Jeez. Yeah, well, <laughs> he, he was the one and only. Um... <laughs> 
Yeah, no, he it's the the Talon Master is a fantastic unit. Not only does it do the same job as a lieutenant, giving everyone rerolls of one to wound, it also has an aura that lets you ignore cover with anyone inside of it when they're shooting at dudes, and it's putting out twelve assault cannon and six heavy bolter shots. And it is reasonable in melee, uh, especially because you can give them one of the relic swords and whatnot. And on top of all that, they're very fast and have character protection because they're only seven wounds. Um, I'm honestly shocked I don't see more Dark Angels players running them because... They're insanely good. Yeah, they're, really they're, they're super, super good, and they are just a huge threat to a ton of the, the basic sort of like infantry guys you see running around. Uh, one of them and Samael kind of just like flying around next to each other will, you know, wipe out pretty much an entire cultist squad on their own. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you know, he, aside from that, he had that, uh, the unit of five plasma inceptors, which is, as Pablo says, just five plasma inceptors. Um, and, uh, then a unit of, uh, the Black Knight bikes also with the plasma and, uh, a handful of other kind of like little dudes running around. He had some scouts and whatnot as well. Right. Um, but a, a very hard hitting list, um, with a lot of nasty tricks and, um, you know, because he has both, uh, Dark Angels and Blood Angels able to get back command points, uh, every five on the die was uh, a command point back from him, and even sp- there's so many of those one-point Dark Angel stratagems that do really good things, and he'd occasionally gain command points when using them, because, you know, you get two five-ups to gain a command point, which means you can spend one and gain two sometimes. Yeah. Now, he, we actually... Another reason why I wanted to talk about this, because I thought it was very funny, is he actually talked to me at the end of round five, and we were talking mm-hmm. about uh, a little bit about his list, um, and I asked him if he was going to go like five and one and shooting for best dark angels, um, which I think he did end up winning anyways. Yes. Um, but he was talking about his opponent, an Eldar player, and I had no idea who he was playing. I didn't hadn't bothered <laughs> checked at the time, and he was very confident that he was going to win. He, you know, I, he I asked him like, "Aren't you worried about the Inceptors not being able to shoot anything because of the minus one?" And he was like, "No, no, I'm good. It, it's it's all going to be it's all going to be great. Um, I'm, my list is designed to beat Eldar." Um, so he went into that list very confidently. So I, I need to ask you what happened. Um, he made a couple of mistakes by his own admission. Um, mm-hmm. he the Blood Angels detachment is apparently somewhat new for him. Um, so he he made a couple of little mistakes. There was also some ba- some bad dice rolls for him here and there. Some good ones for me, but you know that's kind of how it happens. Um, I wouldn't say that Everus had exceptionally good or bad luck in that matchup. Um, the way it kind of ended up playing out was I castled up and deployed pretty defensively back towards my back end and gave him the first turn um, because I knew that the real big threat to my list was going to be his Smash Captains. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys are pretty devastating. Um, especially if you let them pile in and fight twice and do a bunch of damage to you. Um, so I backed everything way into the back corner, um, set it up so that he wouldn't really be able to make any shooting at all unless he flung his Dark Talons way forward at me and kind of left them isolated, and gave him the first turn, which would give me the advantage in scoring as well. Um... And 
he moves stuff forward in advance to get that four up invuln on all of his Ravenwing stuff, which he has quite a lot of. Uh, and I knew that was going to be annoying, but I'd rather deal with that than having to face his whole army simultaneously. Um, and he used the stratagem to push the one B Blood Angels captain with the Angel's Wing forward, uh, but he completely spaced out on the Eldar intercept stratagem. Um, so mm. he threw that guy forward, and I had my Farseer deployed out on the board, because he can do that occasionally, um, and had one of my Crimson Hunters intercept that guy, which means I'm hitting on twos, re-rolling, and wounding on twos, re-rolling, yeah. um, and lasered four wounds off of him right off the bat. He barely <laughs> avoided dying before even getting to do anything. Um... And the way I was positioned and the way he dropped the guy in, he couldn't really get uh, a good multiple charge in. Um, so he charged into one of the Crimson Hunters, smashed it to pieces. Um, but then, you know, that guy was sitting down at one wound right in front of my whole army, uh, which I just cast Smite and killed him immediately. Um, and then kind of moved all my stuff forward and started putting various guns in. I killed his uh, Ravenwing Dark Shroud off first thing, because the minus one aura from that thing is super annoying. Um, took me a little more firepower than I would have liked, but I got rid of it, and stripped some wounds off other stuff. Um, turn two was where it was real dicey for me. Um, he brought all his reserves in, dropped the Inceptors down near me, moved all his guys forward, did a bunch of advances, and you know brought his other captain in. Um, and put a bunch of guys out of line of sight as best he could and opened up with all of his shooting on my airplanes. Um, he did quite a bit of damage. He dropped, I believe, two of the hemlocks and damaged another. Um, but he decided not to go risky on the charge on the third hemlock, um, because he didn't want to send Samael into the Hemlock and take all those auto-hits on Overwatch, um, because there is a pretty good possibility that I would just sort of, like, kill that guy straight away. Um, and, uh, he also forgot, because, as he mentioned, he was kind of new to Blood Angels, that you can only use the 3d6 charge stratagem if you have Deep Struck or Redeployed that turn. Yeah. Um... And he was, he had placed his captain behind some terrain, but a significant distance away, um, on the assumption that he would have the 3d6 charge. And he said, you know, I'm spending the command point for this, get the charge. I'm like, you only get to do that if you deep struck. Um, and he, he realized immediately that, you know, he'd kind of fucked up there. Um, so he ended up failing that charge, which probably would have dropped another airplane, um, and uh, did not do as much damage as he was hoping that turn. Um, I kind of pushed through. I brought a bunch of my swooping hawks in, cleared out all of his scouts and basic infantry dudes. Um, I used a few shenanigans there as I, I dropped some of the hawks in. Uh, we were playing the Precious Cargo mission, which is mm -hmm. the, uh, you get the bonus point for controlling your opponent's objective. Um, and he had a unit of scouts controlling it and not much else. And I brought all of my swooping hawks down, um, dropped them in, shot the scouts to death, and then used fire and fade to move seven inches towards his objective. And since his scouts were exactly right on top of the objective and not, like, pushing me back from it, uh, that meant I, I dropped in nine inches away from it, so the seven-inch move got me right into scoring range. 
Um, and that's where things kind of started turning around for him. It's like I killed off some of the Dark Talons, uh, dropped a bunch of his other, the Inceptors and all that kind of stuff, uh, because he had a bunch of units with Fly, and <gasps> my list does a pretty intense job of destroying anything with Fly, uh, thanks to all of those Crimson Hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I moved a bunch of stuff into his deep backfield, killed off a lot of his threats, and kind of left him with, like, one Dark Talon and a whole bunch of characters. Um, yeah. Which I still couldn't really shoot at that point, but he was running out of units to actually score points with, and I was already ahead because now I had the uh, bonus point, and he and he had not... Uh, so I held more and got the bonus point that turn. Um and if you, you know, if you look at the board, we were pretty on parity. We had both taken a lot of damage. But if you looked at the score sheet, I was significantly up on him. Um, the real decider was his turn three. That was where the game basically ended. Um, as he moved all of his stuff back to take care of all the flyers I had in his backfield to kill off all of those swooping hawks and whatnot. Um, and cleared out just about all of that. Um, killed off almost all the swooping hawks except for a single one with his dark talons, um, moved all his characters over next to my airplane and went for some charges, and got in and charged and killed both of my remaining airplanes, uh, but both of them exploded. Oh, no. So he charged his smash captain into one of them and the two Ravenwing characters into the other, and went with smash captain first, Killed the hell out of that airplane. It exploded, did a couple wounds to him, did a couple wounds to Samael. He then piled in his smash captain towards my other airplane to get him out of line of sight of the snipers. And then swung with the other guys, killed that airplane, and it blew up killing the smash captain and would have killed Samael if he hadn't popped the, uh... Um... Armor of Contempt, I think it is. It's the Space Marine Stratagem that gives you the save against mortal wounds. Um, because Samael okay. is riding on is a vehicle when he's riding oh, on the land Oh, yeah, speeder. yeah, yeah. I was, um, was going to say, I was like, that only works on vehicles. But... It only works on vehicles, but Samael was a vehicle at the time. Um, so he managed to keep Samael alive with that, but between the two airplanes, I chipped, like, ten wounds off of all of his Jeez. characters. Um, so that was pretty big for me. Um even if that hadn't happened, at that point he was looking at, like, three characters and a single Dark Talon left on the, the field. And I didn't have a whole lot either, but I was spread out to hold objectives, whereas he was all sitting in his back corner in the very back edge there. Um, the Dark Talon was on a single wound, so, like, just glancing at it was going to be enough to kill it. Um, so that really turned the game there. Um, it, from there it was kind of just clean up. I moved the wave serpents forward, popped off their serpent shields, and, uh, shot and smited the remainder of his models away. Um, but even if I hadn't gotten as lucky as I did with explosions, then I still probably would have been able to pull the game out. Um, he was telling me he was intending to use the redeploy stratagem on the captain and, like, send him over into my backfield and all that, which, yeah, that would have been bad, but with that guy sitting at two wounds, it wouldn't have been that hard. You know, I still had all of my snipers, and there's no way that guy lives through sitting in my backfield. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think I think that once your characters start taking wounds randomly and, and dying and, and becoming inefficient, I think lists like that list and my list 
yeah. start losing. Well, with mm-hmm. characters rely heavily on other models to protect them. Characters yes. themselves are not that tough in most cases. So once all your other stuff is dead, the character's no longer nearly as scary. It's like, oh, you have a guy with five wounds and a three-up save? Mm-hmm. Oh, I can kill that. I don't care if it's a three-up invulnerable. I'll just I'll shoot him with my basic guns and he'll fail saves and die. All right. Um, so it, the, it, once you're down to just characters, which a lot of lists have these characters who do the the heavy lifting, custodies do a lot of it, blood angels do a lot of it, dark angels can as well. Uh, but once you're down to just those characters, then the game is probably over unless you've killed essentially all of the enemy firepower. Yep. All right. Well, Sean, congratulations. Uh, you oh, went five you and much. one, and you you shut me up completely. I am I'm the <laughs> worst. I'm clearly the worst 40k player on this podcast. <laughs> well, only because well, Val's gone. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. We got Damn. Val and I have to play one time, and and determine truly determine who is who is the worst. Ooh, uh, yeah, the battle the, of battle of the worsts. <laughs> best of the worst. Um, so I, I want to save Jeff's Jeff's matchups and stuff for last because he's a great transition into the top players and mm-hmm. the top list. So I, I'm just going to talk about my matchups really quick. Shouldn't take so long. Uh, um, there's only a couple bullet points I really want to bring up. Uh, and the first is, is I think models with, that do D6 mortal wounds should be very, very rare and and mm. be on and Titanic things that cost a lot of points. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, huh. um, I'm just kind of... You had, so, you so had I a bad played, experience yeah, somewhere? <laughs> yeah, I, and I've had a couple. And um, and I know Frankie's oh, had Mally. a lot of bad experience. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff immediately... Called it out. So, so basically, my first game I played against an orc player, um, mm. who who had a bunch of flash kits and like a battle wagons and trucks, and then he had one of the Forge World Super Scorcha vehicles. Yep. Um, that that on a on a six blows up and does D six mortal wounds to everything within like six inches or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was I was, you know, it was orcs versus versus me. He was a really nice guy from the Harambe's Avengers. Um, yeah. you know, th- those guys aren't known for their, for their tournament for, you know, tournaments aren't their forte. There's just a bunch of guys that have a really good time. They're great guys to hang around with. Um, yeah. so, so he had a very fun orky list with a lot of flash kits. Um, and flash kits actually put out a surprising amount of shots. Like I was actually genuinely terrified. Um, yeah, they're first. not actually that bad these days. Yeah. Yeah. But then I realized I had, I actually had stratagems. And, oh, yeah. and you know, like <laughs> optimized units and the orc codex. When when the orc codex comes out, orcs are gonna orc players are gonna be so happy just because I feel like orcs just need those little those little bonuses and boosts. But anyways, um, it was it was going pretty well for me until I charged the middle of his board, um, and the the truck would just like the the flamer track had had just happened to be there with one wound. I had the center of the board with like the priest, my commander. Uh, my character, a unit of Seraphim that we're going to pop the battle wagon with, with his boss in it and his warlord in it. Um, basically, all my important stuff was in the middle of the board. And then Celestine had just eaten a ton of Overwatch and died to Flash Gits. So she was kind of high, mm. cowering in a corner, looking to pick on some Gretchen and stuff. Um, so I really needed that meat of my army to just stay there and hold the middle of the board so that I could tie up his Flash Gits and pop his battle wagon. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening was... Uh, was I, I just decided to put one one attack into the the flamer just to kill it to get to get um for sure just I don't know even know why I had already gotten kill more I just wanted <laughs> to kill out of spite so I was just like well I'll just put one attack into it of course the I hit I I brought the relic hammer so I hit on a two wounded it on a two because yeah. I charged 
Um, and then I killed it, and then it blew up, and it did six mortal wounds to everything within six inches of it. Yeah. So I killed my seraphim, the priest, my death company captain, my commander, um, what was left of my conscripts, and uh, I think it, I think it, um, I think it killed like like one Gret, one Grot model, um, and then that was it. And it, it was it was bad. So, anyways, yeah, <laughs> models with D six mortal wounds. <laughs> I admit I'm not a big fan of the Forge World flamer vehicles that blow up for D six wounds, either them or the Artemia Hellhounds. Yeah, um, because. D6 mortal wounds is potentially a lot when you're doing it in a radius a like lot. that. Yeah, yeah. It, especially if you just roll sixes. Um, it, it just yep. reminded me of the, the D all over again and um, the <laughs> D weapons in 7th edition all over again. Oh, but I was going to say, it made yep. me think of your, your lovely experience with the <laughs> Maliceptor. Uh, yeah. Jeff yeah, came sixes. by. Yeah, Jeff came by, asked me how I was doing. Um, and then uh, we we told him what happened, and he just said "Old Mally" and just walked off, <laughs> laughing hysterically. Um. Anyways, um, I did win that game. Um, it was a pretty dominant win. I think I got like thirty nine points, uh, which put me in immediately into top tables, um, which I regretted instantly. <laughs> yeah, that's a dangerous dangerous <laughs> yeah. move on your part. <laughs> um. Uh, and then so it's uh, on round two. I ended up playing Brandon Grant on on the top table. I think we were on table two. Um, so we were on stream. That's a that's a game. If you guys ever want to watch a player who's completely outmatched try his best, um, watch that Twitch stream. It, it's very entertaining. Uh, one, the only thing I want to add about it, onto that game because you guys can just watch the Twitch stream on Frontline Gaming TV um, is that the I'd like to reiterate that chess clots really do help. Um, there were a lot of people watching the stream complaining about us taking two hours for our first two turns um but i told everyone at the beginning of my turn because i went first um told everyone at the beginning of my turn that that the first two turns were going to take a long time and i knew it immediately and brandon knew it too as i've got this high model count army that's moving all over the place and you know my job is to find a hole or or something you know mm. in brandon's armor um to try and just get in there and disrupt him and keep him in his deployment zone and brandon's whole deal is he just needs to shoot and be efficient and move up, move all those models up. He needs to be very mobile and get up the board quickly or prevent me from stopping him from going up the board quickly. Um, so our first two turns, we took an hour each. So by the time our third turn rolled around, there was only an hour left. We each only had like 30 minutes left on the clock. Um, but then we finished the game in, in 17 minutes and finished the game with 42 minutes left on the on the time. Um, so we just played quick like five, 10-minute turns. And if you watch the game, you'll know why. It was because he was destroying me. <laughs> um, but, but I, I have a feeling that even if, even if it was a closer game, uh, it still would have, they still would have been quick games just because we kind of already knew where the board state was heading and what we needed to do. Um, so we just, you know, decided to play quicker. And that was kind of the, the theme of my entire BAO experience was, was clock efficiency and clock management. I finished all of my games in six turns. Um, but I didn't finish or I didn't. I didn't finish with like 20 minutes left to spare in most of my games. I usually finished with like a couple minutes left to spare, um, but I finished all six turns. So and that's good. I know yeah. uh, something that people who weren't at the tournament may not be aware of. Uh, Reese and Frankie had asked everyone to note how many turns they got to in each game and turn in their packets with that. Do you know if they've compiled that information yet? Not or is yet. That still... No. Okay. They're... Yeah. No. They they drove back at the same time we did. Uh, sure. And and Frankie was a trooper and drove the whole way 
Oh. You know, just just like me. Yeah. So so Frankie's probably tired. I don't know. I don't even know where they are in that data. But I imagine by signals on Wednesday they'll probably have they'll probably have it all compiled or they'll have okay. a, a an inkling. But um, I'm I'm very curious to see. Because the three-hour rounds certainly helped people. I saw yeah. a lot of games finish that I don't think would have otherwise, and I'm sure the chess clocks did as well. Yeah, yeah, and you can tell you can tell the games that didn't finish because or that only got through three turns because their points were so low. Yeah, um, so you can always kind of tell. There was also a few people who every single game I looked around, it's like who hasn't finished yet, and there is one or two of the same people (laughs) who were you know five minutes after after the round had been called were still rolling out the last of that turn yeah um not to name any names but guys don't do that there are 140 people there and they're all waiting on you when the round is over the round is over yep i agree um i think i think everyone should probably play with a chess clock it's just it just makes the game more enjoyable and with three hour rounds and a chess clock like it's just it's just a great game of 40k you don't even have to start the chess clock and give each other each player an hour and a half what i was doing is is i we were just getting through deployment quickly and mm-hmm. then looking at the time and and figuring out how much time we had how much time there was left in the round and then we divided that time evenly um and none of my opponents complained about that and we all like you know everyone was everyone was okay with that um yeah so yeah chess clocks um my next two games were against uh, a teammate, Aaron Hayden. So another teammate of mine on Relentless D, uh, and uh, gentleman uh, Jason Sniga Sniga Kowalski. Gentleman Chowski. Jason. Gentleman Jason. I, I I don't remember his last name. It was, Mc- it was uh, complicated. Uh, was it Mackenzie? My, That's any, what it, it says here. Well then, well then Jason <laughs> Mackenzie. Ah. <laughs> there was there was another Jason. Anyways, that's. I'm operating on two hours of sleep, guys. That's no, I get disclaimer. it. Disclaimer. It's I have <laughs> a long drive back name, as well. Edit in the proper pronunciation later. You know, for <laughs> ten minutes. Jason McKenzie. Um, but uh, anyways, both of those games were were very similar in that both my opponents had these gunline armies built around vehicles. Uh, Jason had Honor mm. Dune crawlers, Castellan robots, call, uh, and guardsmen conscripts, just like one bubble of one line of conscripts and if you guys bubble wrapping is still very very important guys um especially now with night gallants getting in your face turn one and blood angels getting in your face turn one it, it's yeah. still so very very important to bubble wrap and space and all that stuff and i think that people just aren't doing it um if, if you want to see what a good bubble wrap looks like look at brandon grant's army look at look at what he does um but anyways um so i both of those games were were the same because I seized on both of them, Don't and both yikes. of them played very, very uh, loosely with their with their bubble wrap and their deployment. And yeah. uh, I played very defensively. I I deployed very defensively. So what ended up happening was I seized. I put everything that could get in their face, turn one into their face, uh, and against Aaron Hayden, I tied up all his plague burst crawlers, his whirlwind scorpiuses, and his rapiers. And so all he had to shoot was with his macarius, which just killed one unit. That wasn't in close combat, and then from there it was it was just a very disappointing kind of like okay I charge that, you can't shoot again I kill this, um, and then both both games were kind of like that. Uh, Jason was able to make a real game out of it because he had a, an Imperial Knight, which was just doing tons of work for him. Um, yeah, the Knight Styrix, which is <clears throat> yeah. one of the more unusual variants, but actually yeah. not bad. It's it's really good. It has a four up invuln against shooting and a five up against close combat. It heals a wound every turn, which I think he was forgetting. To uh, do heals it on a five on up, a five I believe, up, but yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and then there was an interesting discrepancy there with his list, too, because it was a Freeblade oh, really? Knight uh, on his list. Uh-huh. And so he tried taking a Warlord trait uh, for Krause Crast. And so Not I on Pablo's watch. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, so uh, I know, I know. Uh, knights or knight players are just getting into the whole, you know, faction and keywords and all that. Um, I let him get away, get away with it. I, I told him to just stick with the same keyword for the rest of the tournament, um, and to talk in recent Frankie. But everything was fine there. But um, he just didn't know. He he thought that being a free blade meant you could like, like pick whatever household you want or something. <laughs> Um, be a true free blade? Well, no. he was also he was also getting the the free the free blade oaths and stuff too, like the the yeah. benefits and boons and and all you know. Um, he started rolling for that in the beginning, and so I, I asked him like no, like no, it's not how it works. And he just legitimately just didn't know how how the keywords and the attachments worked and stuff with the knights. Pretty sweet, you can run all of them though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'd, I I'd love to I'd love to switch my blood angels to dark angels whenever I feel like it or. Well, I just space mean, like free blade you... with a normal warlord trade and a house rule and stuff like that. That's a pretty yeah. sick knight. <laughs> and also, Pablo, you say I'd love to switch my blood angels to dark angels like that is a isn't a thing that thousands of oh. people have done already. Oh, oh, oh between Sean, between rounds, have you Sean. seen Pablo's? Oh, already, okay, yeah. <laughs> Between rounds is what I meant. Yeah, the 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 blue rainbow knows no tactical, those <laughs> uh-huh. no tactical restrictions. They they do what they please, but um, yeah. Uh, so so that was fine. That it's was 2018. Pablo's army is like, why have just one father, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Omnidad. Uh, <laughs> but but so yeah. So the the only the only real thing that we got a, I learned out of that game was seizing is very good with my army. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of like having that. I kind of like just having that ability to, if I seize on my opponent, I just, I just kind of win. Um, <laughs> well, if nice? you seize against the gun better. line that, that nice didn't ability, bubble wrap you. I makes, yeah. It makes me, it makes, see, it just shows how stupid seizing is, but, yeah, shows um, pretty well. yeah, you know. I think it's a lot less of a deal now that, um, you don't deploy assuming you will have first or second turn. Um, yeah. because like. You're putting out all your you guys you and even ignoring this. Well, okay, yes, you shouldn't. Good players <laughs> will be prepared for both first and second turn. Yeah. So Reese does sometimes listen to this podcast. You have to be careful what you say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I, I generally try to always deploy defensively with my army. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, so seizing, seizing sucks. Um, it, it, I, I kind of like where my army is kind of heading with the meta. If people mm-hmm. start to bring more things that try to kill knights feel like i can get wins like that kind of regularly you're gonna stick with your list then probably think? i think i think i am i think i really like it i just you're saying drop celestine i guess yeah yeah so basically Damn. drop celestine for a canonist and then take another smash captain because Ooh. celestine oh. felt like this little wet noodle that my opponent would just grab and squeeze points out of until she died Jeez. see you that's know? that's actually very interesting because um Shailen, the the person that i traveled to the tournament with and who has a list that is actually fairly similar to yours yeah um has actually found celestine to be really clutch in her list you know she runs the two smash captains and celestine leading a sister's detachment a lot like yours yeah um and has found that she is so much more durable and mobile than the smash captains she's good she provides a very important role there yeah she's and and i might not take her out it's it's a i i don't i think it's more of a meta call than an actual you know like one is better over the other Right, because sure. she still does a lot for my list. She gives the conscripts a four-up invuln potentially, because she gives Imperium units a six or an Astro Militarum units within six inches of her six-up invuln. So, yep. like that came into effect with Colin, when I played Colin Sherman. Uh, mm-hmm. I gave my conscripts a four-up invuln and minus one to hit. Yeah. Um. So, so it, it can it can really 
come into it can really come into effect and she's really good like i, I don't i mean you know if someone was like you shouldn't take her out like yeah you're you're probably right too mm. um but i definitely think i have to take out the scout bikes and the death company so those will probably go mm. and then i'll probably replace them with like a nine nine bulgrin or something but you're Just, liking the sanguinary guard oh they're amazing they're they're so good so in the my fifth game so at this point i was uh three and one i felt pretty confident um, my only loss was to Brandon Grant, and I put up 20 points on Brandon, so I didn't feel like like I just got blown out that game. Um, and then I played Mark Carrion, the the person I drove up with. Uh, he has three Night Gallants, a Blood Angels detachment, the Smash Fucker Captain detachment that everyone brings, mm-hmm. uh, and then the CP Battery detachment that everyone brings for Guard, um, backed by three Night Gallants. Um, and I played him. Our game was very, very interesting. He ended up winning 28-25. to 25. Um there was definitely some luck that went his way um, tor- at the beginning, at the end, that probably could have swung it my way, but it just goes to show how close that game was. Um, so, basically, the reason, and this is this is why I think the Samuel Guard are amazing, is uh, he moved all his gallants up in the middle of the board, charged my conscript with his 15 death company, turn one, killed all the conscripts, killed like a few scout bikes and some scouts, and my counter charge, I basically was able to stay away from all of his knights, kill all of his death company, and then he thought he was just going to move all of his stuff into my line and keep me in my backfield, but I shot my sanguinary guard nine inches on the opposite side of the table and forced him to have to send a knight all the way up there to go deal with them. Hmm. So what ended up happening was so my sanguinary guard failed their nine-inch charge. I rolled a two and two ones. So it was pretty much an irredeemable, Thanks. like, I can't charge. And that yeah. ended up costing me hold more... Uh, and um, kill more because I would have. Oh, that killed... too. You could reroll one of them for a six, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually I did reroll. <laughs> I <laughs> I did reroll one. I didn't get the six. Um, yeah. But it w- it was rough. Um. So that then ended up swinging. Um. That would have that would have basically stopped him from getting one point and would have gotten me two points, which would have tied the game. Um. If everything else had gone as planned. Uh. You know, predicting everything else had gone as planned. But the cool thing is, is the knights don't actually kill. Sanguinary Guard super efficiently because they have a four-up armor save against the ba- the stomps. So the Gallant mm. kind of like ran up to the Sanguinary Guard and he expected to just wipe them out and he only killed two. And then the Sanguinary Guard double tapped into the Knight and brought it down to like five wounds. And he was like, uh-oh, these Sanguinary Guard are dirty. Um, yeah, so he had the, to... the melt the pistols on a bunch of them, right? No, no. They just, they just when they're charged, they get plus one to wound. And I have two power oh, fists. Okay. And so the, their swords are just wounding on fours or on yeah. fives. And they do D three damage, and they're all AP three. So, okay. so I just I just basically just put like, you know, ten saves into his knight, and you know, did like four or five D three damage to it. Yeah, it was a little more than appreciate that, but... those high AP melee attacks. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but I knew that I knew that would happen because because I know how durable the Sanguinary Guard are because they're two up save two wound bodies on and they're really mobile, so you can put them kind of in positions to succeed. Um. So that ended up happening, and then I left them up there for one more turn, let them get charged down again, and then I teleported them back to my side of the board when he had to send a second knight up there to go deal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but by that point, one his one knight, and I didn't know Gallants could do this, his one knight got an insane charge into my line, uh, killed all my death company, and then killed my death company, my death company captain, and then consolidated... Oh no, he killed my death company, and then consolidated into my death company captain with his second attack killed a bunch yeah. more stuff, and then death-gripped the Death Company captain. Mm-hmm. And he did this all immediately, so I didn't get a chance to to interrupt or anything. And I didn't know Gallants could do that. I didn't know when they yeah. fight, 
they immediately fight instead of at the end of the fight phase like every other codex. They are the uh, only and codex then, that gets that immediate refight. Yeah, it was it was crazy. So so what ended up happening was was uh, heroically intervened with Mephiston. The knight charged in, killed the death company, death gripped the knight with the second or death gripped the death company captain with the second attack, and then I attacked with Mephiston, killed the knight, and then the knight attacked back when it died, swung into Mephiston, mm. killed a few more things, and then death gripped Mephiston. Or no, he didn't death grip Mephiston. He he just swung into Mephiston when the knight died and, and killed Mephiston. And so, it, it, like in in one charge, he killed my company captain and my my Mephiston and my death company, and I pretty much had no way to deal with his knights except for Celestine, um, and the Sanguinary Guard who who were only brought down to like five models. So, didn't really like my odds at that point. Um, what, what ended up happening was uh, to fast forward, I I had to give him a lot of hard decisions throughout the whole game. So I was trying to basically waste his time through through making him make hard decisions and putting models all over in weird places and charging random things and just doing not things that he expected um kind of like fainting and so he had at turn four he had like seven minutes left on his clock and and i wasn't i wasn't wasting his time like slow playing him like i was every time i asked him a rules question i'd switch it over to my clock you know i was being fair with the time but at the same time i was i was giving him hard decisions to make um, knowing that he had to move models and move all his models, and um, he had a lot of working factors to keep the game close or to keep the game in his uh, time. So he ended up running out of time at the top of turn five with seven seconds left. But the very last thing he did with his time was he charged four guardsmen into Celestine, who had two wounds left, put all four wounds under her, and then I rolled two arm saves, failed them, and Celestine died and didn't Yikes. get back up. So that that ended up costing me the game. Um, because if I had had Celestine and t a turn five and turn six with a timed out opponent, uh, I would have gotten like an easy 10 points, right? So I yeah. would have had three, three characters for the bonus. I would have definitely would have been able to kill more because it's Celestine on him and he can only make saves. Um, mm -hmm. and then I would have gotten hold more. So that was, that was kind of rough. That sucks. Uh, the moral of the story is, is if you see your opponent starting to get low on time, um, don't like cheat. Don't don't like slow play them or or try to waste their time intentionally, um, but there are things that you can do in the game that maybe might not necessarily be the best options, um, but might you know make your opponents scratch their heads and make you wonder you know what what you're planning on doing. You can also do things like charge guardsmen and stuff with a lot of attacks, um, or put like like I put my sanguinary guard within rapid fire range of his cons or of his infantry squad, so they ended up. Uh, rapid firing twoing so putting like 40 shots into the sanguinary guard they didn't kill any but i knew he would do it because they were threatening mm. that objective uh, and that ended up wasting like five minutes or something ridiculous um yeah. just because there's so many shots um With so rolls and all that nonsense yeah uh, so i made a game of it and then turn game six i played colin and um i i knew that i knew that i had a i was in for a rough time so i just ran everything at him and then everything <laughs> everything that uh didn't die um, charges line and then uh, you know yeah he's just so. he's got too many bodies and and too much stuff to uh for you to just absorb casualties and fight him yeah that's really tyranids game yeah when when tyranids can move 40 inches around your conscripts and then go into your characters that are meant to like kill things that, that you mm -hmm. need them to kill it was pretty bad um so when i when i played colin sherman i, I at that point i'd uh I, i'd been really tired from Mark Karen's game, so I just decided I wanted to see what my list would do just by bum rushing someone. Um, <laughs> turns out, if you bum rush someone who, who's who's uh, 
you know, deployed in a corner, you're not going to do very well. And also, just so we're clear, Pablo's experiment was, I'm going to bum rush 38 Gene Sealers, Swarm Lord, 6 Hive Guard, and like 90 Formagons and Termagons to see what happens. Hey, mm-hmm. man. It, it, I and the answer is everything 21 dies. points on him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was... It was it was it was kind of cool to see how how durable the conscripts can get, um, but I just didn't I just didn't expect how I just didn't expect the gene sealers to be that fast. I actually I, I expected I just forgot I just forgot that gene sealers move like forty inches and still kill things. Yeah. So uh, for those again, we'll just sort of for our listeners here rather than uh, talking to ourselves for a little bit. If you're facing down some uh, gene stealers with the swarm lord backing them. They can plausibly move 40 inches, like a full 40-inch move, and then make a charge in a single turn. Um, And it's not even particularly unlikely that they get that. Like, you know, your average is going to be more like merely 36 or something like that, but it is still an insanely long distance. You have to be ready for that if you're going to fight Tyranids. Yeah, another thing Tyranids can do um, that, that he did to me was they can declare they can frin- declare something as a charge like on the fringe 12 inches away. Like in my case, he declared like a random guardsman from a line of infantry squads going up even farther up the board. And so what he did with the second squad after he killed all my characters is he char- he declared them as a charge, killed everything that they wanted to kill, and then overran, moved them like another 15 inches up the board, and then mm-hmm. attacked with them again with that stratagem. Yep. And then f- consolidated and tied up pretty much everything else. Uh, so that, you know, they're just, they're crazy. Um, if you have an abil- ability to kill gene stealers before they get to move, like, you should always take that. Get rid of the Swarm Lord. Get rid of those gene yeah. stealers. Yeah, yeah. Swarm Lord too. And, and the other thing too. Just that, kill everything. Yeah, just uh, kill everything. Yeah, that is, if you kill you everything kill in the list. Before it does stuff, yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the hard thing is, is if you you put so much firepower into killing one unit against Tyranids that you end up giving up, like, kill more twice. Because all they have to do is kill, like, mm. two things, and then and then you you fall behind two points. Yeah, so. they can they can field a lot of units for pretty cheap. Yeah. All right. All right, Jeff. Let's hear, let's hear uh, a champion's take. Not a champion. Well, close. You're a champion in my eyes. Well, thank you. Uh, so it's a funny... Uh, first thing, I think that uh, you guys might have gotten through their storytelling, but I think uh, it's important to say. My list was a Cadian Battalion, two company commanders, one with Grand Strategist, one with Kuro's Quilla, three units of infantry, each with a mortar. And then it was a Custodes Battalion, three by three spears, shield captain on bike with missile salvo, uh, Trahan himself, and then um, a unit of five Virtus Praetors with Hurricane Bolters, a unit of four, and then I took an auxiliary of a Calexus because you should never play really anything um, without assassins unless you just can't. But especially uh, custodies. They just are really, really... They benefit a lot by it. Um, then some other funny notes. Throughout the tournament, I played against five knights and four armager variants. One, one, uh, two warglaves and two helverins. Um, which was actually on the lower end of my friends. One of, a couple <laughs> of my friends, Alex Hawley, who had a great tournament for himself, borrowing my Magnus, he played against 13 knights wow. in six games. Oh, man. 13 knights. I, I don't know what people most... were talking about. I didn't see a single knight the whole tournament. Right. <laughs> oh, you didn't play against one? Not yeah. a single one. Um, 
he had this really funny anomalous experience where nobody actually with their knights targeted magnus so oh. behold magnus killed like 12 knights or so. wow <laughs> yeah, i don't know he had a good tournament um yeah so for me day one started off uh in a nice way really really kind fellow um seen him around at tournaments i believe he's on a podcast or two i cannot remember which one um but he very much so like mentally massaged me into a very comfortable place with our game because i was like looking at his list it's a castellan a valiant a crusader and two warglaives in a hawk shroud detachment which then gave him the relic flamer aka the single weapon that gives me like the most fear i could possibly have at the tournament <laughs> um so i was a little bit nervous because knights have this really funny thing where like you can be the significantly better player, you can out-strategize your opponent, etc., etc., but they just get off a couple of charges, you just don't make some saves, your killing power falls off, and then they just table you, right? Like, they can just absolutely murder your face. Yeah. They move fast, they hit hard, they're durable, so if you don't have your killy stuff doing what they're supposed to do, um, and even then, a little bit of your guys' discussion earlier, if they just, a couple of them blow up and do some d6 mortal wounds to everything that you need to surround them with to get the damage done mm -hmm. well then they can just take you down with them um, now of course if you're a five model list like his the like need for that all to go off becomes more severe because every knight that dies is is like literally you know 30 or 35 percent of his his attack power mm -hmm. um so the game started off with him pretty quickly kind of showing that he is just there to have a good time and is not he, he had said that i think that was his second game with knights um <laughs> a little bit of targeting issues a little bit of like i got a Calexis to charge from behind a wall and tie up the valiant so that i was then able to jump on it with my bikes and stuff um so it was a pretty quick and dirty game really nice guy he went on to i think do pretty okay for himself he actually won two or three i, I think it was three games um so i'm against some other opponents that had better day ones and then rougher day twos uh, then my second opponent was against Tony Myers, who is a Sacramento um, household name, if you will, both for his Eldar success, but then he runs tournaments. He also has, uh, he was telling me just in January, he went full time with his um, like Warhammer or tabletop, I guess you would probably say, accessory company. He uh, He's the guy that makes the templates and wound counters and stuff. They're really fantastic stuff. Do you guys remember what it's called? Hammerhead company? Games. Hammerhead Games. Thank oh, you. yeah. He makes that stuff. Um, we had a really nice game. He was playing Yanari. Um, he had a unit of nine Reapers, ten with the Exarch, Wave Serpent, um, Yvrain herself, the Cat Lady. She was out there in the heels kicking around. <laughs> um, and then he had a bunch of the, gosh, a couple of Farseers. What was the other damage stuff? He uh, had a he unit had three of Ravagers. Spears? Yep, Shining Spears. He had three Ravagers with, the, with two Archons. Uh, and that was pretty much the whole list. And it was pretty scary. Reapers, again, on, on paper, just not something I really want to contend with. It's a really funny game, and, and the theme for my list was I make mistakes almost every game, and then Custodes are so damn durable that I am able to like recover in-game from my mistakes. So my entire army's behind a wall, except my Calexis. My Calexis is like chest puffed out, walking out there. <laughs> and it's like, well, let's see your whole army shooting to my Calexis. And, of course, I forget. The Dark Reapers don't give a damn about your game conventions, so he just had the easiest kill probably of his entire life. He was uh -huh. like, uh. He's like, let's just shoot in a psychic phase. And I'm like, oh. And like the second, you know, basically the second I wrap up my turn, I look at my Calexis and go, oh, God. That's right. <laughs> that poor little dude. So it's a sloppy thing like that didn't end up costing me 
anything significant, but it is mistakes like that that do separate, uh, I think, you know, a very good player from someone that then goes on to win major, major tournaments. Um, so that's the kind of stuff I have to iron out and work on. Um, but he made a big mistake as well. He put the Reapers on this tower terrain. It was like a, you know, 300 BC brick and mortar tower in the middle of this 40k <laughs> battlefield um that he had dark reapers up on top of and cat lady was straddling the wall she had kind of hiked up her skirt and was just straddling the wall like giving them powers and shit but very clearly behind that tower was a good 12 inches of space or 15 maybe so i dropped mm. in my five bike my five bikes and said would you agree that Yvrain is the closest model and he's like yeah no and then she went yeah and she just evaporated she had a well anyways she's just gone and then they actually made the charge up the tower as well and we're on top of the reapers and that was pretty much a wrap um he had the big unit of shining spears and they're really really fearsome but without their buffs um they they like shoot really hard so he nuked a gigantic unit of, of guardsmen but then the other unit of four bikes just kind of went over there shot him charged him and that was that was it mm-hmm. um tony was a super gent really really nice guy um and we had a really, really lovely game, but that kind of huge mistake pretty much made it all wrapped up from the very beginning. Uh, and then game three, to end the day, I played against Mr. Mitch Pelham himself, um, who is the number one guardsman player, I believe, right now. I think so. No, you should be. He's number five in the ITC. Really nice guy. He's a uh, place from Mugu. Comes out of Washington. He's in the Seattle area. We'd played before in an Oregon tournament. When he was running, this is before the Rule 3, he was running the 11 or 9 or 10 or whatever it was, Artemia Hellhounds. And we had a really epic and awesome game, um, but it was under, it was not on non-ITC missions or some wonky stuff. So it, it still felt like it was a cool real game, but it was also like a, unless you play, you know, the format, it doesn't feel like a super big win. So I was, I was looking forward to it, but I also wasn't, um, because it was just day one, round three, and I was already playing a player that in my mind you could face at the end of a tournament very reasonably. Um, so it was a tough match, but then as we kind of set up and I was looking at his list, um, I, I, I began to feel more confident. The Castellan on page, so his list, by the way, is, is one of those guardsmen template lists, very similar to Brandon Grant's list right now. Uh, two Hellhounds, a unit of Crusaders, we'll talk about that in a second, like three primary Psychers, an Astropath, um, a Priest, a lot of Guard, all Catachan, of course, a lot of Mortars. And then he had the Castellan that he was running as Raven, um, obviously. And what else did he have? A Strachan. Um, yeah, and he's running the Blood Angel Smash Detachment, yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. He had two Blood Angel Captains, and he had three units of Scouts. Um, so a pretty darn good list. It's one of those, again, just great tournament lists. It's good against a lot of things. It's not necessarily meant to kill any one thing. Um, but as the game went started getting going like i said i felt pretty good because just hurricane bolters are a really good answer for a lot of things mm-hmm. um and anytime you have those those just big body lists like his that's kind of the way it goes but i also knew that if he got his if he got his blood angel captains on top of my bike units or mostly my bike units is what i was worried about but any of my characters of course as well um they can just single-handedly mulch a unit and then there goes my kill power again and that's kind of the nervous point of my list is that if i misplay the bikes or i don't roll saves on them um then that's like a significant chunk of what my list is is able to do uh it's made up in it's it's um given the security blanket of the custody guards which i really really like and i'll talk a little bit more about them as they become relevant but anyways we're starting to set up we get hammer anvil 
Um, and I did not understand the Crusaders. I was like, what are they? He's like, well, they got a 3++. plus plus. I'm like, okay. They got power swords. I'm like, all right. One wound, tough three. It's like, yeah. And they get to uh, they get to do acts of faith. And the whole time in my head, I'm like, what? I don't fucking care about any of this. What is? Why are people taking this? It's not that many people, but some are. Then I asked him what his powers were. And he's like, well, this one has the plus one save. And I go, oh, my God. All yeah. right. <laughs> That's what they do. Um, so he gave him a two plus and that's kind of the shtick, but he actually, I was talking to him throughout the tournament and after our game. Um, that's cool and all, um, but still being tough three and one wound, the unit's only a hundred points. So it's or like around there. So it's not like it's this huge terrifying sinkhole, but at the same time, it's just, there's too many things that are like, all right, you got a two up save. Cool. Or, or like, you don't want to cast the power or it fails one time and then it just goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, but the kind of cool talking points in our game were uh, my custodian guards tied up his hellhounds. Like, he didn't really know what to do with them. They're only minus one on the flamer, which I think is good for a lot of people, but against custodies, really not, because I just have a three up at worst. And if I tow in something with the, the infantry models, then it's a two up still, and it just doesn't, you know, they don't do damage. Um, funny enough, though, it took like all game for them to die, because it just, he didn't care about them, and I didn't care about them, and they just kind of. We're doing wheelies in the parking lot on the side of the, the map the entire time. <laughs> um, but the really funny, like, almost the thematic moment of the game was he clogged up the whole middle of the table with just a sea of bodies. The He had his psychers, he had his uh, the Crusaders, he had all the, the Katachan infantry just trying to insulate the knight and give it as many turns as possible to do what it can do. Um, and I kind of saw this happening as well. I, of course, could not deep strike into his his corner i usually put the two units of bikes in deep strike just to keep them from getting hurt before they can do their damage hmm. uh, and this game was no different um so we had a little bit of a melee in the middle of the map and my white shield captain jumped way ahead and just acted as like a big threat and one of the coolest things about that unit and trahan for me was i would give them victor of the blood games and with a three plus plus and you have grand strategist you have a command point reroll, and then you also have the the victor reroll. They're exceedingly durable. Um, and the combo really catches people off guard, so it can actually throw them for a mega loop. Like, in the middle of the game, they'll be like, oh, it's the closest character. Jeff's an idiot. Mm. Hooray! And then I'll be like, that's exactly what I wanted. And they'll, <laughs> they'll start shooting stuff into it and expecting it to just go away. And it just kind of won't. So they have an idea of what they want to do, but then as it starts to pan out, unless I roll really bad, which I haven't, I have not yet, and it's really hard to roll that bad, by the way. You have to roll... An incredible, you know, like they're they're tough six anyway, or he's tough six, the white shield captain, and then I have a three up, and I'm rerolling at, at three dice in one turn if I want to. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah, so I'd say I have to roll really bad. One podcaster once in the podcast history will happen to, and so, so <laughs> Jeff, you're you're good forever. <laughs> it's just Pablo and old Mally. Um, so that kind of threw a, a weird thing. And then the funny thing too is the Calexis in every single game could be best described as like. The emo high schooler that's just forgotten, ignored by everyone, because it just goes sit in the corner and just scores, and that's it, and just like <laughs> doesn't do much else. But in this game, with all the psychers and all the psychers mostly having not very many wounds, not very good saves, he had the fucking game of his life. He was just like wading through there, or you know, and just like mind bullet, there goes a, a, a psyker, and like jumping into some guardsmen, clawing at their faces, and then they'd fall back and go, "What the hell is that?" And he did that. He killed like three or four characters the whole game, and, and it was just jumping around, chunking people. So that wow. was that was his weekend yeah. in one game. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But it was mostly just me mulching guardsmen, tying stuff up, and then making my saves. So it was poor Castellan kept pumping shots into my stuff, and I would just make my four-ups. Uh, and Mitch is a super class act. Really, one of my favorite opponents I've played, actually. He's just, like, very um, willing. Like, a couple times I'd be like, hey, do you mind rolling your dice over here? And he's like, absolutely, and, like, makes a big effort about it. And just, like, everything about it felt very legitimate, felt very polite and considerate and really awesome. He had some really bad dice. He made some mistakes. And instead of, like, you know, really becoming a, a negative vortex, he just kind of was like, damn, that's that's too bad, you know, but then gave his best effort to kind of rally back. So really nice opponent, great guy. But I think it's a, a tough matchup for him. And and this this mission was mission three, which I think has four or five objectives, right? That is the four-objective diamond, if I'm remembering that's right. That's right. Yeah. Which really works well with my list, because um, I just sit in the middle of the table and everyone kind of gives the like Liu Kang come over here fingers type thing and, and <laughs> nobody can or they try but it's just not a good place to be uh, but my favorite moment in the game and I didn't do shit to the Castellan for the most part like it just the whole game it was sitting back there it, it took me till turn five to get to it and it was like the final boss and Trahan like it was just a straight out of like the movie Willow uh, he just like shoves <laughs> over the final like four guys and he's staring up at the forty-foot-tall giant robot, and the Castellan. And it was just—it was just such an amazing. And this is exactly why I play Custodes. This is exactly why Trahan's in my list. He pumped everything he had into Trahan. And, and by the way, so turn—he had four shield breaker missiles. Turn one, he hits my white shield captain, does five damage. White shield captain dies like three turns later. He hits Trahan with the next three missiles. The next three missiles, of which I cannot stop. I don't have a save. The first one did like four. I regen back three wounds. The next one did like two or three. And then some other odd game stuff got him down to two wounds. Trahan has one turn in front of the knight, and he's the closest target. The knight pumps. It was really funny, too, because he doesn't pump everything. He's like, you know what? Four Melta. Um, <laughs> the, the missile, and I'll use the strategy. It was like his last command points. I believe he didn't have even the Raven Stratagem at this point in time. And by the way, he has the Blood Angel Relic, and he has the Kurov's Aquila. So he rolls... He actually went down to 13 on his first turn before the game started, and then after turn one, he had 19 command points. Yeah. I kid you not. Yeah, that happens. It was amazing. Hits me with the missile, rolls the... All goes through, rolls the damage, rolls a one, re-rolls it, gets a one again. Trahan's got one wound left, and there's nothing I can do to heal it. Trahan jumps on top of the knight the next turn, swings once, does like 15 damage. Yikes. Swings again and does... He got it down to one wound or whatever it was. He wasn't able to kill it, and unfortunately he did fall after that. But it was one of those like just funny... <laughs> like, this is what Trahan can do, and then he and he just did amazing work. The other highlight of the game, and this is like a really important note for other people that deal... Because this is going to be a thing. If knights are in the meta, wait until... Like, I can hear it right now, there's like... Hello, Games Workshop. How many Blood Angel captains do you got in store right now? There's going to be a lot of Blood Angel captains out there because of the Night meta, and also just because they're really good. Um, There's a lot here. There's going to be more. Um, He had two of them, and his probably biggest mistake, and and, and actually something Sean said earlier, just one of the weaknesses of a character that's strong is that it just mostly depends and is balanced around the idea of it not being able to be attacked. It's a character. But Blood Angel Captains, when they jump out, they want to do something, but that puts them forward. So he jumped them forward, or they were like behind a unit of guard. I can't remember which it was. Once that got peeled back, 
I was able to put five bikes down, and they were the closest. Mm-hmm. One of them got 36 Hurricane Bolters to the face. The other one got 24 from the unit of five. Oh, man. And that was it. Yeah. And if you can kill them in shooting, then they can't do anything, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to spend two command points for it to pop up and put a bolter in your face or something like that. You're just not going to. But if they get into close combat with you, you can always swing with them, and they can do five, six attacks, hitting on twos, re-rolling, wounding on twos, often you know, just destroying things. Um, so that was a big part of that game as well, was that, that moment in there. Yep. Uh, so, go ahead. Well, uh, One thing I want to add at the very end of that is is the, the Crusaders. I was thinking about them, and against Blood Angels captains, they're actually really good. Because the captain's hitting them on threes because of the minus one from the hammer. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they have that two-up invuln. And if you charge a captain with them, that captain can't do anything else if they're the only ones around him. So they can kind of yeah. act as like a yeah. weird storm shield bodyguard. And the captain's like, leave me alone. They're like, no, no, <laughs> yeah. no. Kill us first. Kill <laughs> us. And he's like, my hammer can't beat your armor. Um, so that's that might be a good answer if you're really desperately looking for an Imperium mixed you know, counter charge unit to captains and you don't want to spend that hundred points or you don't want to take blood angels or you don't want to shoot them. I don't know whatever your reasoning is. Um, that might be a good option. Yeah. Yeah. Anything yeah, that, can, that happen, anything that can hold a captain down for a turn that it is not like a high value target is very important. It's like that yeah. can really change a game. Yeah. Um, that's actually how I was able to expose one of you guys remind me of it. I, I charged with my Colexus. And that, oh, yeah. the Clexus has that effect on the game as well, where oh, a lot shit. of times people either straight up forget that you hit them on sixes for everything, or they kind of underestimate what happens when you do that, because a lot of people will throw things into the Clexus, and then, again, in mid-game, kind of be coming to grips with like what that means. So it was in combat with it for a turn or two, I can't remember which it was, but it was him that fell back and realized... Well, because well, he, can't, he literally can't hit the Clexus with his hammer. It's not possible. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even play it that way. Yeah, because sure? it changes your weapon skill to six up, and then you take the minus one. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, but that, anyways. Yeah, I, yeah I didn't it's do that. not super relevant. It's not like he's going to do anything there, anyways, but yeah. Yep. He swung at me a bunch and then ended up having to fall back, and it just like cost him two turns of doing anything, and it exposed one of the captains. Um, and the other funny move, too, that, that uh, I didn't even do this, in, it's, it's just kind of like the custodies math you get to do. But he buffs up his Crusaders to two up in bull, minus one to hit, fearless. And I was like, oh wow, that's really impressive. Sixty bolter guns into him, hitting mm-hmm. on two or hitting on threes, ruling ones, wounding on threes, ruling ones because of Trahan. He picked up five at the seven, and that was like all the neutering it took for that unit to just be nothing for the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The second he started to not power them up anymore, I just put mortars into it and bolters or um las guns, and they just kind of went away. Mm-hmm. So just funny custodian moment though, because for a lot of people that would be a problem unit, but for us we're just like these are really accurate bolters, and then just kind of go away. And I think that's the big difference between the Crusaders, who are kind of your budget option, and something like the big block of Bolgren that you're about. Yeah, yeah. Up is like the Bolgren has T five and three wounds, yeah. which is a mm-hmm. completely different story than those little like T three dudes. But they cost right. a lot more, and they take a lot more work to do it too. And they're a little bit different, too, because they only can have a few guys with the durability uh, to a two-up in bull with the power and stuff. and But they hit 
infinitely harder, especially if you put a priest around him. Yeah. I like the Bulgans personally. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's often the better call. Although, the Crusaders do have that stealth advantage, if you mentioned the the Acts of Faith, which a lot of people don't realize they have. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they can so be they can scooting a pretty move. fair distance, yeah. or they can get the, the fight again, or bring a guy in the squad back, and stuff like that. Yeah, pretty cool. And for how inexpensive they are, I think that's the, almost their biggest selling point. It very much so, yeah. So I had day one, 3-0, um, really happy with the win over Mitch, and I believe I was number two. Um, I yeah. scored something like 33, 35, 37, something along those lines. So I was doing really well. Felt pretty good about the list. Didn't make a lot of mistakes, like I said, but uh, first round was, you know, really nice guy, but a bit of a gimme. And then Tony Myers made a huge mistake, and Mitch, I, I just felt like my list is really, really tough for him if I'm going to roll a lot of saves like I did. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel like I had conquered the world at that point in time. I just felt like it was, uh, it should have been business as usual. But I was paired up against Aaron and his Dark Angels, like we talked about earlier. So um, same list, obviously, same guy. We had played a few times, and he had hmm. both the other times we had played it had been against my Terranids. So um, his like ignores cover and a lot of the minus ones and just the pure deck. I Hurricane Bolters on Bolt or all the flyers. It's a really, really scary list, except I was really certain that this was, again, a mismatch. Um, most of his list shooting against my Custodes is not scary at all. It either is no rend or it's just minus one, or the strong shots from the Flyers is just D3 shots. So I'm going to only have to make a few four-ups per volley. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, again, you know, it's in 8th edition, a lot of people underrate this, but you could be very accurate, but you'll roll those one or twos um, on either side up to hit or to wound. And then if your opponent has a 50% save like I do in worst-case scenarios, uh, it just really mitigates a lot of the damage. And if my dice are hot at all, it's lights out. Yeah, um, yeah. like one of the, the Dark Talon Rift cannons, like on average, does, you know, fractions of a wound to one of your custodies' bikes. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that a lot of people did not see, but I, I actually kind of did. I was talking to Frankie and Reese because uh, I stayed with him at an Airbnb about our matchup, and they just were like, oh, he should be really worried. He's, he tore people up at the gentleman's GT. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I know, Aaron. He's a good general. But I said, I, I really believe this is a, a good matchup for me. They're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I would definitely <laughs> say you're, it's favoring That's their your list. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. But this is all, again, as well, I did not really understand the um, intercessors or whatever, the plasma. Oh, yeah. Games. So I was They're like, scary. oh, they put out some plasma shots. What, what's, what's the big deal? I'm like, I don't understand what everyone's talking about. Um, <laughs> I should have been a lot more afraid of them than I was. Uh, the game gets going, and line of sight blocking is pretty good. So now I'm on table one. Uh, we're on stream. So all of day two for me, I played all three of my games on stream and on the same table, which was a pretty good, in my opinion, tournament table. Uh, just some very good line of sight blocking. And as long as I have that going for me as well, it's going to be really good. Um he, he has one plan. It's the two-objective game, though, where, uh, or mission, rather, excuse me. Yeah. So you have to be within nine inches. Obsect doesn't matter, which we didn't play. We, we, didn't, we kind of forgot about that part. It didn't really matter, but it's just worth noting. Um, and then the clock. And I've got to give a little spiel about the clock at the end here, too, because you'll notice I never mention it. It's just not that big of a deal. But that's not what I said the previous podcast. Anyways. Um, Aaron jumps forward, shoots everything into me, and kills some guardsmen, and I think like a guard or two, a custody guard or two, maybe tops, and I think there was a little moment of like a gulp for him there, because like, that's not usual, 
Um, and a lot of people would get intimidated by that, but he only has, like, his list does not fan out. It doesn't break apart. It needs the minus one um, the to stack. You, yeah. you know, he needs, he, it's a big star of a unit, so it is only one thing that it does. So I bring in my, my bikes. Um, I actually have a... It, they don't do much. I actually fail all of their charges. It's the custodian guard that make their charges into two scout units and then kind of start to encircle his big blob. Mm-hmm. And then I dropped one unit of bikes in the backfield, and that was actually a kind of a mistake. Cause he, he, I, I was like, he's gonna have to leave something back there, right? No, he doesn't. He le- <laughs> he has nothing back there. So, one of my <laughs> units of bikes killed a unit of of um, scouts, and that's all they did all game long. Wow. <laughs> um, they they tried to move forward, but I'll talk about the game ended on turn three. That's why they did nothing for the rest of the game. Um, the other bike unit put a lot of shots into like one of the flyers and actually did a lot of damage. It brought it down to two wounds, um, of which you would never get hurt again, by the way. Wall. Uh, so again, so he's he's like nine inches away from the bulk of my stuff. I had killed two units of his scouts with my custodian guard, and then his bikes had taken some pot shots. So he has a unit of three bikes, which is more of an afterthought than anything. He's down to one. Um, but he's got all three of his flyers. He has both his characters, and he's got his support stuff in there, as well as his two smash captains, by the way. So he's got all the makings of some really scary stuff. And I was like, well, the game's going to be decided on this next turn. He drops in his intercessors right next to my my bike unit that's on kind of the central turf of our big battle. Um, he flew his flyers to my backfield, which I think was his first mistake. So they got away from the rerolls that is... Uh, his talent master gives him and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so they became a lot less effective and they dropped the bombs on the guard. He later says this was a mistake. I don't know that it is. If you get a dice for every unit in the model up to 10. So if you drop it on a unit of four or five bikes, you only roll four dice and on a four plus you do a mortal wound. So one or two mortal wounds, I don't think is at best, by the way, yeah. it's not like that big of a deal. Um, against my guard, he killed 12 guard with the three bombs, which also is not that big of a deal, but you know, maybe that's better. You're at least forcing morale and maybe wiping some units out. Yeah. Yep. You got me to spend some man points to kind of keep them around. Um, and yeah, all my guard were in cover as well, the whole game and then getting the plus one save from the stratagem. So his hurricane bolters did not do much as well. Anyways, it comes down to this big scrum. He drops the intercessors down. He puts all of the shots into the bike unit. It ended up being 21 shots, re-rolling ones. He Mm -hmm. fully buffed up by the way. And he does only 11 wounds, which in itself was some bad rolling on his part. Hmm. Of the 11 wounds I get, um, I make 9 4-up saves. Yikes. Only 2 go through, and he kills... They're each 3 damage, so he kills 1 bike. And then he was like, well... And he's like, starts being like, holy... Sh-, you know, you, it's, so, it's so... Like, Custody players... And I don't get to talk to others, because there's very few of us. But at least for me, I have like a little mental journal of every time that moment happens. Because it happens every game, and it's my favorite moment in the game. Because they start being like... Jesus Christ, if you just make all your saves. And I'm like, yes, the Emperor protects. Because <laughs> uh, then the game switches immediately and they start to, they have to like recalibrate what's going on. Um, the rest of his list shot into the bikes, did almost nothing. And then he had both his characters right next to my my army. And he realized what happens now is I'm going to do the, the swooping attack with my bikes if he doesn't do something about it. So he charges everybody. Um, including a captain into Trahan and both his characters into the three I think I have remaining bikes. I think it's three or maybe two. Hmm. I believe it's three at the time. Um, 
to stop the the attack, of course. And again, in close combat, I think I lost one more bike, but for the most part, made all my saves, and then um, killed both his characters by activating Avenge the Fallen. So for every you, model you lose that turn, the remaining models get an attack for that guy. Yikes. Um, so my two bikers who had lost three of their brethren then became seven attack bikes, and I put seven in each character, and I believe um, Samuel had like one or two wounds left at the, at the end of it, but the other guy died. And his list, when it doesn't have the rerolls, obviously falls way off, as anybody else's mm-hmm. does. Trahan then solos the shield cat or the uh, Blood Angel Captain. He swings again, does nothing. He then piles in three inches to the, the support vehicle, swings again with his moment shackle, um, and then murders him, and then moves three inches again towards the intercessors. And then next turn, he just solos into the intercessors, weathering their full overcharge, fully buffed up overwatch, and then murders all of them, and that's a wrap. He was tabled mm. uh, with no boots on the ground. Jeez. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of models on the ground at the end of the day. Like, there's just not that many bodies in total, but they're hard-hitting bodies. Well, it's just fearsome, yeah, and it moves together, too. So he gets to do some move blocking and stuff like that, but um, if, if, if you get him to separate and, you know, you can get on top of the stuff, they're not particularly super defensive. Like mm-hmm. you said, Sam Ailes, like, eight wounds. I think his vehicle's tough seven, maybe, or tough it's six, only I six. think. I, yeah, he's got yeah, a four-up in bone, but that's really it. But only a four-up in bone. He's, like, yeah. not even a two-up, I think he's a three-up as well. So it's just, yep. the stuff will die if you put the appropriate amount of damage into it. Uh, that led into game five against Daniel Olivas, oh. who's uh, from the Arizona scene. So so I want to I wanna give uh, Daniel Olivas his due, because I think he's definitely earned it now at this point. Um, See, so Daniel Olivas, if you guys don't know, I'm sure... We'll probably be talking about him more over the summer. Um, if he goes to Hammer of Wrath, SoCal Open, and he keeps performing as well as he does, but he's kind of like a, kind of like a new, the new hot rookie, who just showed up um, out of nowhere. He beat Brandon Grant twice. Um, <laughs> like I said, won the Broadside Bash. He beat Brandon Grash, Brandon Grant at the BAO, um, on the top tables, like on round I think round four, I think right before this. Um, so I just wanted to give him a shout out. Daniel's doing a really good job. Um, and then uh, you ran into Jeff the Wiley veteran. Well, just for people's clarification, uh, when Pablo calls you a rookie, he means he's, he hasn't heard of you before. <laughs> actually, he's been around for years and years, actually. Actually, you're right. You're right. But um, we were talking at the Broadside Bash, and he said that he just started like getting into competitive 40k, like trying, trying, and and uh playing with Don Hussein and the Arizona guys mm. and really getting into it. Um, so I, th- I think that, I think that per our conversation, I kind of got that feel. Uh, it's the same thing with like Colin Sherman last year, last year he was really getting, he'd been playing 40 K for years, like 20 years, but um, he had gotten into tournament play with his kids in age of Sigmar. And then that kind of morphed into 40 K. Mm. So, so I just kind of, I, if I call you a rookie, it's not because I don't know who you are. Um, it's because I've heard something about you indicating that that you're taking a serious step into competitive 40k in tournaments. Mm. Um, so you know, just wanted to clarify that a little, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just the way they were telling me is he's actually been a top elder player in their scene for like a while, I guess. Oh well. But you know. if, if what you heard is different, then I don't know. I don't. I don't know the biography of Daniel Olivas, so. It's one of those two stories. Anyways, um, <laughs> fake news. Really great guy, nice opponent. He uh, also like verbalizes everything he says and does, which is very similar to my style. It's kind of like a verbal contract and also just a 
to be very clear. I would add that one of the funniest ticks, and again, if you watch the stream, I kind of point this out a bunch. Daniel Levis style, though, is if he has to repeat himself or say, or if he feels like we're about to have a debate, his octave, his octaves raise about 300 decibels, which is really, really, it was just adorable. Like every huh. time he was like, I'm going to do this. And I'd be like, you're going to do what? And he'd be like, I'm doing this. And I was like, hey, <laughs> no matter how loud you say it, I'm still going to ask, man. He's like, I'm sorry. It's my first time on stream. It's really intense. I'm like, I know. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but it's really fun because it's like that. Because you're not going to play a game of Warhammer where the two of you just are like, wow, I can't believe we agree on everything. I mean, maybe <laughs> that happens, but um, it won't towards the end of a tournament so it's really more about how you handle communication and conflict resolution and i really appreciate the way he did because it was just very reasonable never got heated and uh, we had a really delightful game uh this is a game that again felt really weird because he's playing yunari so he's got a unit of nine reapers with an exarch unit three unit three both with exarchs uh farseer like two farseers an autark with all the index shit um and then a warlock You've Rain, the cat lady herself, walt waltzing around out there. Some rangers, a wave serpent, and then he had five of the sword um, wraith guard, wraith blades. Yeah, wraith blades. So on paper, you look at the list and you go, okay, so reapers. And even on paper, you look at it and you say, just a unit of nine. You know, we're still accustomed to the LVO where some guy was like, I take thirty reapers, and I just don't know if it's enough. Um, so now I look at it and I'm like, you know, that's, that's scary, but it's like really reasonable. And on paper, I thought I had a fantastic matchup again. Um, he was, but he was running some well, go ahead. dark Eldar as well. Wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I think it was like, yeah, was, some miscellaneous like, troops and, and stuff. Cabalites. Yeah. And then two archons. Okay. I almost forget about it. Cause when people, I don't, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, it, well, we can talk about it later, but like the, the detachment of, of Dark Eldar for the Agents of Vact. I think it's cute and good, but I don't know. I don't I don't know that it synergizes super well with stuff cuz Venoms by themselves, unless you doom something, they just don't really do much. They don't they don't finish off a unit of 10 guardsmen. They don't mm. They're kind of cool for like the final couple of wounds off of a a thing or something. They're good at chipping away at monstrous creatures and stuff, but you know, they're they're worse than bolters against guardsmen. So What about the yeah. the triple ravagers cabal the Blackheart detachment instead of the Venoms? That's uh, okay too. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what a uh, Tony ran. Mm -hmm. I, I again, if you doom and jinx something, I'm sure that that the damage is phenomenal. I just kind of feel like the silly thing is like, if you doom and jinx something, anything is pretty phenomenal. It's, yeah. it's kind of like Gilliman, where it's like, these are okay, right. but when you reroll everything, Gilliman makes <laughs> de makes Devastators fantastic. It's like, well, Gilliman's yeah. fantastic. Devastators aren't particularly good. Yeah, I mean, like Centurions become really good with Gilliman, yep. right? Like it, Razorbacks. It's just, anyways. Um, it's not to say that people shouldn't do that. It's just that I so far have not been overly impressed with shoehorning in the two archons by themselves. And then like the flavor of Cabalites and Venoms or Ravagers, mm. um, whatever side point. So yeah, that was his list. Uh, but he made the, just the biggest mistake in the world. He, he got the first turn or no, he, he gave me first turn knowing that I couldn't hurt him. I jumped forward. I had some line of sight mistakes, but also there's just limitations on that. You can't hide from everything. He pops out with the nine um, Reapers, and then he tried to soul bl blaze him or whatever the fuck it's called, where you shoot in the psychic phase. Soul burst. Soul burst, but he was like an inch off um, from his cat lady, Oof. just outside the power, because he's like, and again, my big thing is if someone if someone looks at me and says, my intention is that I'm within 18, I don't then measure it and say, well, it looks like you're about a quarter of an inch off, bitch, and, and like, that's not how it works. 
I always just say, make sure you are. He didn't say that. He just moved it back, hmm. measured, thought he had it, didn't. And then uh, it looked long. It, it looks, you know, I, I come from like third edition Warhammer where if, if you said you were shooting something, you didn't get to measure it. You had to just, you had to guess. Um, so I'm pretty good at that. So I looked at it and didn't think he had it. and said, do you mind measuring that for me? He measures and goes, oh my God, it's, you know, it's, a, it's like very clearly out. And he's like, oh damn, okay. That's a big mistake. Shoots anyway, does some other stuff. He killed a couple custodian guard, that kind of thing, but nothing super impactful. I think he killed one unit actually, um, which was surprising. And then the Kalexis was exposed again, and some Reapers were like, hey, let's shoot, let's shoot the Kalexis. And I was like, let's do it, man. And then it died. Um, and it's always so funny, too, because Reapers, the thing that always shocks me is how damn good the Exarch gun is. Yeah. yeah. My God. It's ridiculous. And I think Eldar players, I think they all cheat on some level, too, because it's like, I've never seen them roll like, oh, my God, I got a three. They roll 2d6 shots. It's like 9 or 10 yeah. every single time. And I'm like, it sure yeah, feels it's pretty that way. damn good. I know. Yeah, but... It just feels that way. But my god. So he's just, yeah, it was it was not good that way. The whole backside of my list had to just hug the board edge because it's range 48 or whatever too. So mm-hmm. in order for the guardsmen to even live, they just kind of sat on the edge of Tomorrowland and did nothing for the whole game until Wraithblades mulched them. That was their existence. Being a guardsman sucks. <laughs> Um, but the big moment was he forgot to fire and fade. The his reapers were in a building. They popped out, shot, and then they did not pop back into the building. Ow. So I dropped. I dropped, and he wasn't even next to a farseer, so he can't intercept me either. So I I just dropped in the five bikes, absolutely hosed him. And then to make insult to injury even worse, every charge that I wanted to make, I made. Like I nailed it. I I made the nine inch charge into the rangers. After that, my captain made a nine inch charge into other rangers. My guards spilled out from the other side and charged into some venoms and tied up stuff. I mean, you can't really tie up elder stuff, but they were still on my turn. I killed Chipping away. ten reapers, two venoms, five cablite guys. Like it was just bad, and I was mm-hmm. in his business too with everything intact. I had nine bikes around. Um, I had Trahan. I had uh, the white shield captain. Everything was intact. So I'm just starting to the internal voice in your head is just going like, "Hey Jeff, fantastic job! Like, wow." Sure, he made a big mistake, but you know you're you're a really scary and good player, and that's that's probably why it happened. You know you're just feeling so good, and then the rest of the game, this fucking Eldar player would not die. Like everything he did was brilliant and wonderful, and just getting points back. Uh, the game ended thirty four to eighteen, but uh, like it should have been thirty nine to to four. Like his entire kill power just went out the door, but it turns out Yunari soul bursting stuff is pretty damn good. He would have an autark. And this, this Autark is like the Road Warrior, by the way. If you describe his, his jet bike, it's got a spear on it. There's a sword there. He's got like an alternate helmet, <laughs> three guns or some shit. The, the the bike itself has four guns. And then I think he has a, a Wraith Knight hanging out in the back caboose or something like that. There's just ridiculous <laughs> stuff happening. Because he would just jump on a unit, mulch it, fly 20 inches somewhere else, charge, kill that unit. Uh, he would soul burst, get off a smite on Cat Lady, and she would kill something, and then she'd do something else, and... I just sat there like, Ugh. like it was just like in a wind tunnel of amazement. I was just like, <laughs> as all this Eldar shit's flying past my head. Yeah. So we made it a game, but it was just not enough. Eldar, Eldar can pull out a lot of shenanigans, even when you think they're already done. And he pulled out all of them. Yep. He pulled out absolutely all of them. I, I actually ended the game with a unit of five bikes and one white shield captain and then one custodian guard. That's all I had left wow. after that. Wow. Wow. Jeez. 
That's at, and after that's after, after the pulling the teeth out of his list. How did the wraith blades do? It sounded Just like they dropped in. That. Yeah. I think I think um, that'll be one of the things that honestly probably does come out of his list. Oh yeah. He was talking about how they were there because they're painted, and he wanted to. I think he said he wanted to do something different. And it's not like they were terrible. Mm-hmm. It's just that they are a little bit on an island um, of, of what his stuff does. Like, mm-hmm. I guess in all his games, he would just drop them and go after backfield. Uh-huh. But Eldar have other things that do it cheaper. And, yeah. and if it doesn't work out or it's not a good matchup for him, it's not as much of a point um, investment. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the, my bikes charge them and they died one volley. Like, yeah. very easily. They've yeah. got, they have no win They've got no win defenses in the sword setup. And the shield setup yeah. is a lot more expensive. As as um yeah. as as it was as it was explained to me by uh Nick Hilsina, um because Relentless D we were we because when Brandon was playing Daniel Levas in uh hmm. round four so we we all got ready the night before day one and um kind of like talked to Brandon tried to get his feel for the list you know because he's Brandon didn't want to lose to him twice um <laughs> yeah uh, and um we, we came to the conclusion that the Wraithblades we we thought he picked them out of like some zen moment because they can be really durable and they can be really killy like shining spears but you don't have mm-hmm. to babysit them like unlike shining spears where with shining spears you yeah. have to like they're easy to kill they're fragile same thing with dark reapers wraith blades but kind of kind of kind of do that thing that those two units can do um but they're durable um which maybe eldar need but now now that I, now that you actually talk to him that makes more sense they just had painted models he wanted to be different I think so. It's 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 kind of like in Warhammer right now. Like, there's going to be good matchups for them, and they're going to be amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's going to be some matchups where you look at them, and I think they're about 200 points. Mm-hmm. And 200 points is not tip the scale, flip your, you know, it's like, oh my god, that's so expensive. But it's very, it, it is pretty expensive. And if it's a codex like some of these other ones where you don't have anything that can do that role, then maybe you bite that bullet. But the the curse of wealth for eldar is that they do have things that can do that and for cheaper and maybe better yeah like if right. he's just using to clear the backfield it's like buy three units of swooping hawks for the same price right you're doing you're doing a way better job at clearing out all those guardsmen and whatnot yeah right and they cleared guardsmen by the way they they did sure. 20 attacks on the charge strength six they i just picked <laughs> up giant handfuls and <laughs> spend command points to make sure that the other handful doesn't get picked up. <laughs> so that was cool. And the nice problem that they do pose is if they show up late game in your backfield, they are tough six, three up, three wounds, I think it is. Yeah. So um, they're strangely defensible. They're not like, you know, insanely defensible, but against small arms fire, they're pretty funny. They're, yeah. Most things are winning them on fives. And they're usually getting a three up, and, and they are infantry, mm-hmm. funny enough. So if they are in any terrain at all, it's a two up save. Yeah. Yeah. They can be pretty rough to get rid of until you start hitting with like las cannons and big guns, and then they just yeah. sort of go away. And you're just picking them up. Um, so that was a really nice game. Like I said, he was uh, he was just a super class act. Uh, considering the mistakes he made, a lot of people would just be like a real pill to deal with the, the rest of the game. Not even for a second. Like he definitely made note of it and said, "Gosh, it's really crummy," and uh, it definitely sucked for him. But he played his heart out and made it a really good game and. What's kind of funny and worth noting for people, by the way, because he was so charming and pleasant and because he was so kind of unrattled by his mistake, I was worried that I was going to lose. Uh, like the <laughs> whole time I kept like looking at him side glance like, what are you fucking cooking up over there? I was like, what, what is going on? Because like if, if I make that big of a mistake, I'm just kind of going through the motions for the rest of the game or I'm like, you know, I'll do what I can or, or that kind of thing. But the whole time he's like, okay. He's like, if I make this charge, he's like really into it the whole time. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what? 
You got to respect. Is he about to that. summon a bloodthirster or something like that? Yeah. So he's <laughs> he did a good job, and it 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 almost you know he made he made a great game of it, which is really cool. Um, so this sets up the last game, and this is against Don Hoosen and his um his dirty boys, the the Nurkle guys. Yeah, a really um, weird list. Pretty weird. He ran the super heavy chaos or whatever renegade knight detachment. So he's got a crusader with a double battle cannon or double gatling gun. Excuse me, as if there's anything else you can do. <laughs> um, two helverins, and I'll talk about those sons of bitches in a minute. Um, and then he had ten blight lords with two flails and the rest axes, and then two blight launchers. Pretty damn cool unit. And then he had a Nurgle Prince that was just there to be the Warlord, to give some powers, and to buff up everything. And then three Plague Burst Crawlers. And, gosh. The, oh, he had um, the Flamer Nurgle guy? Yeah, a little Flamer yeah. character. The, the, the fucking three damage Flamer. Yeah, that was silly. Yeah, so... And that's it, I think. This was a close game. This is looked like a 26 to 22. Um, 24. Oh uh, no, twenty-two. You're okay. right. It's four points. That's the four in my head. Okay. Um. So I, honestly, I didn't watch it at all. I wish I had. Um. I was playing. I was playing a, a on the other side of the store. Um. Mm-hmm. So when you were going into this game, did you first off before this? Did you already hear about Don Hewson's list before this, or was this your first real experience with this list? Uh, I'm a mega tryhard, Pablo. I I looked at everyone's lists and thought about all of them for the most part. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what was your first take when you saw this list? Uh, well, I, I I would tell you that I don't have the same reaction a lot of people do. I don't look at a list and say, this is stupid and terrible. I, if someone's doing well with a list, there's obviously a reason for it. A, they're a good general and they're doing well, but also B, there's some level of synergy there. And, and Don's lists are, are wacky, but they all they always make sense. Like nine Plague Burst Crawlers backed up by stuff that lets them fall back and shoot and act normally. That makes sense why it does well. It's a really fucking tough list. Uh, when I look at his list, a lot of people really fixate on Blight Lords. That's terrible. And I guess maybe I would have as well. But one of my friends for a long while tried to make them work himself. He ran 10 Blight Lords um, in a very similar unit, if not exactly the same. And he didn't, he never, obviously did not have Dawn success, but they were always pretty darn impressive. They were pretty good. They just stay around like Nurgle stuff does. And then any unit they touch, they can kill, be it a big knight or be it 30 guardsmen um, or 30 gene stealers. Like, they have the tools to kill anything. Their biggest count against them, of course, is that they're very, very slow. So I didn't look at his list and think this is a garbage, weird, bad list, or I didn't think Don's a mad scientist. Um, I knew Don had these models, and I knew that he likes to play different lists, kind of like myself, and it was good. But I thought myself favored by a lot as well, by the way. Okay. I went into it very confident. Okay. That's your only question? Yeah, that was my only question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Don really – I actually really like Don. Uh, he's one. Of, I call him the mother hen of Arizona. He kind of organizes tournaments <laughs> over there and um, is, is the ringleader of that group. Um, he's just a great guy. He's a very honest player. When you play against him, you do not have to worry about quick dice or anything like that. He's not going to forget – a bunch of his rules and you're only going to find out about it later like you're in for a legit game against a guy playing different kinds of units and he's he's crafty he's wily he's got these little black beady eyes that you never quite know what's going on behind him and uh oftentimes in the middle of the game you'll find out and they're it's dirty dirty nurgle stuff 
Um, so I was looking forward to it because uh, sometimes, and I'm not going to name names, but some opponents that you do play against, you you have to worry about things like, all right, we'll make sure and like emotionally club them in the beginning so they don't try to bend rules on you and, and pick up fast dice and cheat and stuff, right? Mm. Um, it's something that does happen in competitive Warhammer at, at the final stages of a lot of tournaments. But at the BAO, I didn't have a single round where I thought that that was even remotely a concern. These were very, very strong generals that played a very legitimate game. Yeah. And I had an amazing time because of it. It really sucks that I didn't win the whole thing because I want that a lot. I'm, I'm Mr. Warhammer. I, I care about this more than most things in my life. Um, but it didn't happen this time, and I'll tell you why. So the game gets going. It's my third game on this table. All three games are streamed, by the way, so I do encourage our viewers to... Or our listeners, I guess, if you're viewing. Then, no, uh, listeners that will become should, viewers. Yeah, i got to put some pants on or something. <laughs> um, anyways, it's on Frontline Gaming underscore TV on Twitch. Their VODs are there. Both days are, are streamed, and there's some great games. Pablo appeared on there as well. Uh, but day two is the Jeff show. I was I was the one hosting these chaps. Um, so yeah, his list is as exactly as I said. And, you know, bad dice happen. Um, I would not describe this as a bad dice game. I made some pretty critical mistakes and the highlights are on the first turn he was able to shoot and kill two custody guard units um one was in range of his his knight which just absolutely did not need to happen it was hammer anvil i had line of sight blocking terrain i put them in places to go get recon but even that just did not need to fucking happen and they just died so and the other Jeez. one died because he shot one helverin into it um maybe two actually i think it was both um and they uh, were not toe in they were just in a weird spot so that i could go grab recon but they were very clearly in line of sight it like wasn't even like a hard thing for him to do and he rolled uh 10 and 11 shots on every single volley of his hellbrins all game long yikes which is amazing and but i'm still getting three ups but i was rolling slightly below average i would say so he'd do 11 shots, 9 or 10 wounds, and I would fail 4 saves on, on most of the occasions. Which, by the way, I would then reroll 1 or 2 dice, and I didn't always fail. So I would get like 1 or 2 back, but the point was I was churning through my rerolls immediately, uh, and I still lost 2 units. Um, and that was a big deal. That, that really sucked. And it didn't, it didn't suck then, it sucked like 3 or 4 turns later when I absolutely needed those bodies. Uh, but then the other big pivotal moment, because I actually led for four out of, or five of the six turns, by the way. I was ahead in this game. It was at the bottom. Oh, no, it was at the top of five. and Okay, so no, actually four out of the six turns I was leading. It was the top of five and top of six where he pulled ahead. and No, he had the bottom. Anyways, the point is, that's when the game turned around. But the big deal was I dropped my bikes in. He had his knight exposed. Um, I still had everything that really mattered on the table. I just lost those two custodian guard units. And then he had been shooting my guard in the backfield with his stuff as well. And most of them were dead, but they don't really matter. Um, but I dropped in both my bike units, shot the crap out of a Helverin down to very few wounds. And then I failed both my nine inch charges with the bike units and I rerolled one of them. And then I um, did get my white shield captain onto his knight, but it was by itself. So it did some okay damage, but then was in a lot of trouble. Um, and then Trahan was in this really tough spot because he dropped in his Blight Lord Terminators behind my bikes and in my backfield, but with, but kind of close to Trahan, actually nine inches away from Trahan. 
So I had this moment where Trahan like looked at his bikes up the field and was like, "Go on without me, brothers." And they're like, "Are you sure, Captain?" He's like, "It must be this way." So he just stood back there. And then, and the funny thing is, and the reason this wouldn't make it to movie either is, instead of charging gloriously into battle, he just chucked a tangle foot grenade at him for the first turn. Uh. They have four inches of movement, but I rolled a six, and I actually we need to get an FAQ on this. If you have four inches of movement, and I roll a six, and you have to move negative two inches, I contest. You must move negative two. In- no, I'm just kidding, but it'd be really funny. <laughs> move um, two inches away from. <laughs> yeah, they have to moonwalk backwards. In this case, off the table, mm. right? Uh, I would have thought two no. inches downwards through the bottom and just clip their way right out of the game. Uh, yeah. No, I, I just need to infiltrate deeper into Games Workshop and make this a reality, and then we can <laughs> well, have a Well, if you've read the the forum posts and all that at all, you know that Frontline Gaming compl- has complete dominion over the GW design process. Yeah. So I just wish they would use it for more than killing Tau, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I do, too. We need to get some... We need to get some custodial love here. Uh, no, so Trahan was just going to sit back there and entertain the Blight Lords. So for two turns, he just kind of sang them songs and chucked grenades at them, and they just shot their <laughs> shots at him and did nothing. And that was what happened <laughs> back there. Uh, but the bikes failed all those charges, and that really sucked. And then the next turn, um, he did a bunch of shooting and stuff. And, and to my dice's credit, it's not like I picked up 10 models that turn. I, may, I maybe lost like two bikes. Um, so I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm in really good shape right now. Um, a, stu- a swooping attack right now was looking to be like a six inch charge, which I absolutely would make with my bike unit. They get to swing first. So if I can chop that knight down and also the Crusader's not that scary in close combat, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you degrade him, he's now starting to hit on fours and at the final one, it's fives. Um, so it was very hopeful, but then I failed, um, an eight inch cause he actually charged my white shield captain after falling back from him. It gave him a couple more inches. Uh, I failed the eight inch swooping attack. So... I was just, with the reroll again, by the way, all my rerolls on the charges were just like, I was like, I rolled a five on one dice. So I'm like, man, if I can just get a three, one, and I'm like, all right, well, okay, <laughs> here we are. Um, so then he actually, the kind of funny thing is the, the white shield captain held on and survived all of their attacks, <laughs> swung into the warlord with separating plates and then died on the fucking four plus oh. mortal wound that it dealt. Nice. And I was like, well, that's not very custodian-like. Um, but next turn, I'm now going to get these charges off, right? And this is actually where I lose this game, by the way. And it's unfortunate because I saw it um, only kind of moments after. I get all the charges off. I get the knight down to three wounds. That's fantastic. Um, I kill the warlord. I tie up a helverin and I tie up a plague burst crawler. So on this turn, his knight has its back pinned up against a piece of terrain. And I have seven bikes on top of him. I absolutely can surround him, but I got kind of greedy with my movement because I wanted to make a charge over the knight into the warlord. That's the reasoning, but it's not good enough, by the way. That's not my excuse. But I don't wrap the knight. Um, The knight can step over infantry and swarms, but it cannot step over bikes because if it did, we would poke his dick with our spears. (laughs) And you don't let that happen. Um so that's an unfortunate mistake because I part of me also just thought the knight would die. It had something like um, I want to say it had sixteen wounds left, and I had, hmm. I want to say eighteen custodian bike attacks on the charge going into it, which I don't know what the math is, but in my mind it was going to be dead. I got it down to three, um, and it's not even again. It was not outrageous dice on either side. He made like three six ups, which I think is exactly average, and then I rolled just slightly not good enough on damage. 
But the point is, you should just always wrap a knight like that. Because if I do wrap the knight, his whole list can't shoot the bikes. I kill the knight, and then I jump off of that and murder his face. Um, and there's no... Don doesn't like... We got a call, or Don calls and be like, Jeff, nope, the knight would have killed everything, and then I would have shot you and killed... No, none of that. The game would have been a wrap, but I made a big mistake and didn't do that. Hmm. Um, so then what ends up happening anyways is his knight charges my bikes after I don't wrap it. It shoots up my stuff. Helverns do the Helvern thing. I blow up his knight, and then he rolls... The, the first dice he rolls is a six for mortal wounds, and it just finishes off one of the bike units. And Yikes. That was kind of it. Jeez. Trahan would go on for six combats, by the way, by himself against the Bite Lord. <laughs> wow. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> the the classic there, movie they... moment, huh? Yeah. He only ended up killing five of them um, in the end. Hmm. But that's because they have a four-up invul and then a feel-no-pain, and each one is two wounds. Yeah. Uh, so it's not for a lack of trying. But it was kind of a cool, epic battle between the two of them. And like I said, Don was an awesome opponent. It was a great game. Oh, my Calexus, by the way, fought his flamer dude in the corner of the map for five turns. <laughs> it was like it was like him getting flamed. It was so funny too. It's such a stupid battle. It's such a Calexus fight because it's not like we were like having this epic like flame and I'm making all my saves and like mine bullets. It was more like the Calexus would fall back on the other side of the wall so he couldn't see me. He'd come out of the building, shoot me. I'd survive, then jump back into the building and tie him up through the wall. Like it was like this <laughs> stupid. Just the Klexus was just like holding on as long as it could. <laughs> uh, but I ended up losing by four points and he killed me down to my final model. I had a one wound warlord company commander mm. in the end and that was it. And he had three Plague Burst Crawlers, Bolshe's Helbrins, five um, of the Terminators. And that was it. Oh, and the Flamer guy in the corner, but fuck that dude. <laughs> yeah. um, he doesn't even count. <laughs> Do you it's a great game, but I made a huge mistake, and I, I'm not. I'm actually not exaggerating. But you know how sometimes people are like, it felt like his, he was rolling twenties the whole time. No, his Helverins actually shot never lower than I want to say ten, but let's just be scientific. Let's say nine. Okay, like let's say there's one I forgot about, and then they would wound at a ninety percent rate. So if he wounded ten times or he hit me ten times, he would wound nine, and I just kept. That's brutal. Not making it. Yeah. Yeah, especially and, with those three damage guns, is they'll just they'll chew up custodies. Yeah. Yep. Do you think on average dice? Do you think there's still a good answer to custodies, or do you think no, not really? Um, in his list, they're kind of cool because so much of his list is very durable, and they move fourteen, and they have such huge range that they can they can be really elusive, and it's not like moving them makes them suffer in shooting either. So there's really cool stuff you can do with them. That I only kind of learned as we were going mid-game. Mm -hmm. And other lists, I don't like them as much. Because if you get anything on top of a Helverin, they're, they're not good in close combat. And they, they're they a Rhino. They're mm -hmm. a three-up save, tough seven. So they will just absolutely die. Um, but if you can use them as a mobile firing platform, and you, the rest of your list is pretty durable, but also scary at close range like his is, then they're fantastic. Um, I don't think they're... I, I think they're just good. I don't think they're necessarily good against Custodes. Because again, if he's shooting my guys with their in cover, then I'm making two ups uh, on my non bikes, and that's ridiculous. And even three ups on the bikes is really, really good. But when you roll that hot, um, if I fail three of them, that's two bikes, and it's just it just murders. Yeah. Yeah, man. The, well, uh, Don Hooson, I, th I think I think we've already given you enough congratulations. But one final one, uh, congratulations, man. Um, it's very nice to see you win the BAO and. 
hold the belt of Russ and end Brandon Grant's reign of terror. <laughs> <laughs> One final note, by the way, and this is this is more of a segue than anything. Um, so on day two, I played with all clocks, and last podcast, I said that I think it's going to be a terrible idea. I think we're going to have drama. I think there's going to be cheating, all this stuff. I have to take it back. There absolutely were not these things. I'm sure it happened a couple of times, and we definitely heard of like Mark Carrion lost a game or two because of the clocks uh, to Carlos and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So definitely, there are going to be some people that are like, I had an interesting experience with it, but for me, zero issue. Every game finished with like an hour left to go, and part of that's custodies, but the other part of that's just opponents getting better about it. Um, there was a few snafus on the clock. We very reasonably were like, hey, let's add 10 more minutes to Daniel's clock because I think we played my turn on his clock, you know, and it just wasn't an issue at all. And it was really nice and lovely, uh, and it was fine. But I also think the other part of that is three-hour rounds are fucking fantastic. Oh, I think if you so play good. a clock on a, on a shorter a turn, then it's really hard because it's even faster, and I think you will have more issues. Yeah. Yeah, that extra 15 minutes to either get to your table and, and set up the chess clock and, and go through the motions of your opponent or to get those final two turns in is is huge. So mm-hmm. Yep. I'd um, also... I'd... Uh, go ahead, Sean. I'd, I'd like to uh, call out you know something that Jeff sort of noted here, but uh, a lot of people were saying that obviously there's been a lot of drama at some of the big Warhammer tournaments recently, mm-hmm. lots of accusations of cheating and slow play and all this sort of thing. None of that here. Not a yeah. one. I did not see any significant interpersonal issues at BAO. And yeah, probably there were some really small ones, but the top tables were clean as hell. Everyone had a great time. I don't think there mm-hmm. was any bad blood up there. Yeah, and m- nope. most importantly, uh, we had we had Jeff, the Twitch veteran, on our Twitch stream day two. So we already mm-hmm. cut all of the controversy potential in half. <laughs> so so there's yeah. that um but um but yeah i i agree i was and i was looking for it too uh i wanted to beat it you know if anything came up at all i wanted to to immediately try and set the narrative and and uh you know beat you guys to the punch but um no there was nothing there was there was really nothing there was a few little arguments here and there but you'd expect that at every tournament um <clears throat> without question uh but, but yeah so you know it can be done you can run a tournament successful 40k tournament and not have any controversy you just have to bl- and reese and frankie put on a good tournament by the way yeah. Um, yeah the tables were a little bit too close together on day one so at lunch which is literally after round one they they fixed it and it was nice last year it was really hot so this year they took steps against that by having the ac run the day before mm-hmm. they had big industrial fans and they're just airing it out it was really mm-hmm. nice uh they bring in catered food that you can buy if you want you don't have to and then that store is nice um the yeah. train Still probably a little bit too sparse. Yeah. Uh, some yeah. tables really good, some not so good. Um, the the higher up you went, the better the tables were. But, uh, you know, day one, I, I definitely saw a couple plant bowling balls out there. And some people were fighting on, like, Civil War tables and stuff like that. It's like, well, that's a little bit different. Um, but otherwise, fantastic tournament. I love that store. And they ran – it started two minutes late. So, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, they're dead to me. Yeah. Um, BCP worked perfectly as well. I had no issues. It was just really wonderful. Yep. Yeah, went down very smoothly. I was quite impressed given the size of the tournament and everything. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, guys, I, I know it's, we've already hit the two-hour mark here, so I, I want to take just another like 10 to 20 minutes to talk about the meta and the top yeah. eight lists, um, and then we'll wrap it up. 
And I know I said we were going to talk about that Google Sheet, uh, but I don't think we'll have time to get through all of that data. Let's do it next yeah. time. Mm-hmm. I also linked it in the show notes. And, and I didn't forget this time because I actually wrote the show notes while Jeff was explaining Mitch Pelham's list. <laughs> Sorry. So there's a little pod- podcast le- level up there. Um, but um, real quick, final thoughts. Uh, so I think that I was wrong about Knights being a being a uh, gatekeeper list. I think that lists like Mark Carrion's Triple Knight Gallant list, um, if there isn't an overabundance of square ruins um, on all the tables, I think those are very serious lists that can easily make the top tables and win events. Um, so I actually don't think knight, Knights are gatekeepers. I think that they are very legitimate, scary lists that you have to watch out for and you have to play around. Yes, but let me say this right now, and I hope all of our listeners take this to heart. At the Las Vegas Open, your three knights will have a very tough time, or at least are going to be at risk in the in the meta. Yeah. The meta is going to shift in the direction of being prepared for knights, but also the terrain at the LVO is boxy, it's buildy, it's line of sight blocking, so movement restrictions are going to be an issue. But you're going to have... You're going to have you're going to come around a corner, and you're going to hear giggling, and it's going to be Camp Blood Angel Captain, and there's going to be three guys in there, and they've been jerking each other off for the entirety of the game, waiting for this moment, and your knight's going to be like, well, I I have to go over here, and then they're going to jump out and make you feel so bad. It's just not even close. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's... So if you're going to take knights to LVO, that's fine, but you just have to know you could run into two... Some really messy situations yeah. that doesn't feel like you lost. It's just gonna feel like the table and, beat. And also, most, oh, go ahead, John. Uh, yeah. Also, if you're if if you're not bringing knights and you're you're bringing some other kind of list, bring something to kill three knights. You can't just oh, yeah. be like, yeah. well, if I run up against a Castellan or a Triple Gallant, then I'll I'll just kind of lose that match and I have to accept that risk. Like you you can't be in that position if you want to come anywhere near yep. the yep. top tables because yeah. you were going to see that. Think about that for SoCal. Yep. Yeah, that that solo Castellan is everywhere in lists, and that Triple Gallant yep. is out there as well. Yeah, uh, and and on on Jeff's note, real quick, more relevant uh, to the Times Nova, same thing. They have the two mm-hmm. L-shaped ruins oh, yeah. facing the opposite corners. So your knight can technically get to the center of the board, but if that little infantry model goes hee-hee-hee and runs to the other L-shaped ruin, you have to spend like two movement phases to chase him around the other side. Um, so if you're running knights, just bring something that can chase little mo- infantry models out of mm-hmm. ruins. Just bring something like that. Guardsmen, blood a- more Blood Angels captains. Uh, <laughs> That's what we need in the meta, more Blood Angels captains. Blood Angels captains. Well, they're coming. Yeah, and yeah, there's a lot. I, I I wish I wish I'd counted the number of Blood Angels captains. I I wanted to do something like count the number of Castellans and Blood Angels well, captains. Well, uh, there are 18 Blood Angels detachments in the meta or in the uh art the tournament as a whole. So I'm gonna guess the answer is 36. 35, because I ran one Blood Angels captain. I know another guy that ran only one. Oh, two, really? I guarantee. Yeah, the 30 funny plus. next gen stat will be of those guys that ran one. Hundred percent. They run two at the next turn. Or or two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me- Meffy Meffy isn't as good as that second captain. Like he's Ooh, he's not a bad I guy, but I, I, I no. I'm telling you, they're gonna run another yeah, one. You need three. Sure. That's the stat. What one per night? Because because the knights the knights gonna die and kill other things. So that one character has to be like, okay, guys, it's my turn. I'm gonna go <laughs> kill this knight now. 
nice knowing you all. And then he's going to go kill his knight and earn his marks and then die. That's all. That's what you got to do. Yeah, 129 points for a 450-point model. Yeah. Hmm. Let me let me go ahead and cry for you right now. <laughs> that that Blood Angel captain is ridiculous. I'm I'm kind of expecting to see him and some of the command point battery stuff get nerfed come chapter approved. Yeah. Wouldn't I wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. Yeah. Also, there were 51 Astra Militarum detachments in in yeah. all of BAO. So a full third of There's them. just a lot of guard out there. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of commanders. <laughs> It's a lot of companies. A lot of commanders. They got some. They got great officer schools. Okay, <laughs> turning those guys yeah. out. Um, I'd feel better right. about it if they weren't better tacticians than every other guy in the Imperium put together. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want to give everyone who went five and one a shout out. The BAO, uh, of course, Don Hoosen, number one. Uh, number two, also going undefeated. The uh, the not not necessarily dark horse. We definitely haven't mentioned him at all yet in the podcast. Salty John. Mm-hmm. Went undefeated, six and zero. He's absolutely a dark horse. Oh well, yeah, D- dark horse too. But I meant in the context of this podcast, we just didn't mention him at all. Oh. He just went. He was a silent other person who went undefeated. Well, he played knights, so did he really win? Oh, well, you know, know, yeah, he had, he had knights and 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 knights uh, and guard. guard. Yeah, knights and guard. Um, and then uh, Jack Harpster, who who showed up from the East Coast, um, and really just showed how good that guard plus Castellan list is. Um, so I think he you're going to see a lot of copycats. He also ran a uh, Space Marine Battalion with a mix of uh, a Space three Wolf. librarians. And, yeah, librarians yeah. from three different chapters, Space Wolves, Dark Angels, and regular Space Marines, yeah, which is interesting. Well, because well, the Dark Angels have access to a power where you give a unit minus one to hit of your yeah. opponents, uh, and then the Space Wolves have the exact same power. And I don't know why name. he had the li- I don't know why he had the librarian, um, the Primaris librarian. But yeah, so that, uh, that's just what he did. I would guess for Null Zone. I I personally I personally think the Primaris Librarian for Null Zone isn't the best choice, but you know mm-hmm. he ba- he basically just did that. He basically just moved them behind the. I think he had Bulgrin too, so he moved them behind the Bulgrin, mm-hmm. uh, and then they kind of just like minus one for you and minus one for you and and then oh I'm dead and there you go. So <laughs> that's that's uh, anyways yeah it's a cool little a cool little tweak to a standard list. Um, but expect to see a lot of that list. Um, and I heard a yeah. couple complaints from top players saying that it's a very easy list to run, um, yeah. and a very easy list to win with. So it's good, but good players still come out at the end. It's like you look at the list of top eights, and it's people who go to a lot of tournaments and win a lot of games. So. That's true. Jack and Jack's also a good player. He outplayed some really good players yeah. uh, at the BAO. So I don't want to take anything away from Jack. Um, but the reason why I'm saying that is because the net list that you see. Uh, commonly, people commonly pick like the the AKA the Julio specials. If you played Seventh Edition, um, mm-hmm. and ever watched Julio pick lists, uh, those are the lists you'll see the most common of because they're the easiest to grasp and the easiest to win with. Um, so I think you'll this Knight Castellan guard list will be like the equivalent of the Eldar lists that you saw in Seventh Edition that were all cookie cutter with the triple Riptide wing and mm-hmm. you know. Bikes. Yeah, you'll see you'll see it everywhere. But... Oh yeah. The difference between a good player and a bad player shows, or Always. even a good player and a medium player, is is going to show at the end of a tournament. Yeah. Uh, then we had Jeff Robinson with his custodes. We already heard him talk. Uh, and then top five Mark Carrion with his three mm-hmm. night gallons list that we talked about. Um, we had sixth place Carlos Kaiser who went five and one. Carlos beat I believe beat Mark Carrion, and then I think he lost to Jack Harpster. I, I don't know. I don't remember. So. Well, also, yeah, he did lose to Don. Yeah. Oh, um, so okay. Carlos, Carlos lost to Don, and uh, actually, you and you and Don Jeff had like a crazy hard schedule on day two. 
You guys both played some really good players. I didn't check, but I think I had the highest strength of schedule, actually. You had a pretty high swing. You had almost twenty seven hundred. I think. Uh, yeah, you were you and a Carlos two thousand above anyone else. Yeah, you and Carlos had both had almost twenty seven thousand strength of schedule. Uh it's good. Yeah. Oh, Carlos beat you out by twenty one points. So he had the hardest. Let's edit that out. Of the, let's just let's just not mention it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and then uh, behind Carlos, uh, Mr. Sean Morgan. Congratulations again, Sean, uh, with his uh, light oculists. Uh, then you had Mitch Pelham, uh, Nick Helsina. Josh Rosenstein, um, who didn't bring Death Watch. I was a bit disappointed by that. Uh, Sean Sharp from Relentless D. Uh, ben Vaughn, another pure Imperial Knights list. Uh, Israel Sanchez, who went 5-1. and one. Uh, I was kind of kind of shocked to see Israel go 5-1. and one. <laughs> but, um, Israel had a bye round one. And then a bye then against James Carmona. James Carmona had a, mm. uh, an explosion of swords. Oh. And then his last opponent yeah. also quit on him. Oh, really? Yes. Oh man! So Israel was blackout drunk in his last game, and your guess is as good as mine how that game even went down. Well, actually, I think his last opponent just didn't show up. There yeah, you go. that's the thing. So we gotta. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, you know what, guys? If you guys ever want easy wins, just seize the initiative and get your opponents to quit on you and get buys. There you go. <laughs> I mean, Israel's a great guy. He's painted fucking three-fourths of the models I own. I love the guy, <laughs> but it's He's, just yeah. That was a very funny tournament experience. It was like. What? What happened? <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting him to see it, the 5-1 and one at the end there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Michael Timpe, um, I'm sure I pronounced that last name wrong, um, rounding out the top 14, or everyone who went 5-1. and one. So congratulations to you all. Um, it was definitely, it was definitely, there were a lot of, a lot of the factions were well represented, except, except I guess Tyranids, I guess. But there were a lot of Tyranid players there who were performing really well. Um, you know, just they didn't go 5-1 and one or better. Uh, but, but having said that, the, it was definitely Imperium favored. Um, you can definitely start to see the shift. So I felt like, like the beginning was kind of like all chaos, and then it kind of shifted over to Eldar, come to LVO time, and now it's shifting over to Imperium with knights, Blood Angels, captains, and so the wheel keeps turning. The great wheel in the sky. Yep. <laughs> I so I'll as a pseudo announcement, I guess. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know this, but I'm actually a game reviewer for Games Workshop, so I get all the codexes and their new models early, but I actually just two weeks ago was added to the um, game tester team as well, so hmm. I now kind of see stuff before they happen and know of a lot of the things, which means I, of course, can't talk about them, but I would just tell you that kind of look to history, like the, the, the Dark Elves came out, or Dark Eldar, excuse me, and they did really well. And they will continue to do well because it's a fantastic codex. Knights came out. They've been flooding the meta. We already know what's coming up next. And I think it actually has a really nice counterbalance to the meta with presumably the hordes of orcs that will be flooding the tables and giving people problems as well. Very assault oriented as well. So a lot of those like Eldar heavy flyer lists that we're seeing or um, some of these knight lists that are getting more into like the heavy handed shooting like a Castellan something that doesn't put out a lot of DACA per se, but can bring down a big thing really easily, they're going to have some problems. But then there's also Space Wolves. They're going to be like an elite assault army, kind of like Custodes. More Blood Angels. More Blood Angels. And we've seen how that has had an impact on the meta as well. Uh, specifically the Blood Angels, where they can just be like a little missile that if you did put all your eggs in three baskets, you're about to have them stomped on. Um, and then somewhere in the mix, 
is some Gene Sealer Cult stuff coming too, right? It's gonna be really fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, we've been we've been talking about it um, ever since the Orcs and Space Wolves Codex has been announced. But uh, I I definitely agree with Jeff. Um, the Orcs and I just can't wait for GW to release all the codexes and then for them to fully come around and go back to the Space Marine Codex. That's that's <laughs> that's it. That's the dream right there. At least at least yeah. give our our vehicles tactics. It'd be fine. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, Space Marines barely have any special rules at all. I really feel for them. <laughs> you, you know, you know what? You're that's a fair point. But uh, anyways, guys, um, thanks for listening. Uh, Jeff had an announcement. Sean, do you have any other announcements or any final last words or thoughts? Go to tournaments and play games if you want to get better. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening. Thank you, Jeff and Sean, for coming on and recanting your BAO experience. Um, it's been a long day, a long three days for all of us. Um, so I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with me for two hours about four more forty k. That was good to have nice. you. Yeah. Uh, remember, guys, listeners, if you guys want to email me, if you have any questions, frontlinegamingpdpab at gmail dot com. Uh, you can always email me. I, I don't always answer all the emails, though I do read them all. Uh, so, and I do get to them all eventually. Um, but if you have any questions about 40k stuff, tournaments, uh, if you're wondering what your local meta is like or, or you're lo- wondering what where to play, um, pretty much people just come up to me with all sorts of random tournament questions and rules questions and stuff. Um, so I'm always willing to help. I'm always willing to get you guys, encourage you guys to go out to events. Um, and I know a lot of the times it can be a little difficult finding tournament resources where you can ask those questions and actually get them answered. So I'm always there for you guys. You guys are the best listeners ever. You guys have a good one.